Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Oh no. Oh yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. All right, everybody. What is going on, Top Rope Nation? It's your boy Kyle back on the airwaves. Guys, feels like it's been a while. Uh, glad to be here. We have long ago rounded third base and are heading down the home stretch of 2022 and my goal today was to provide sort of a year in review and I in fact uh, will still do that but uh, we've been kind of hit blindsided if you will with a bit of major news this morning that sort of disrupted our format but it's nothing that we can't overcome and yes I did say we because joining me on the program uh, he's someone you know very well. Uh, he is the author of Crazy Like a Fox, the Definitive Chronicle, Brian Pillman, 20 years later. He is a uh, Wrestling Observer Newsletter Award winner. He is my good friend and yours, Mr. Liam O'Rourke. Liam, we were scheduled to have a nice little wrestling podcast today, and, uh, well, no chance in hell, I guess, right? <laughs> Perfectly apropos. Kyle, thank you very much for uh, for giving me the call to to do this show, because I was thinking around, thinking the idea of my head doing something like this anyway. And when you gave me the call, I was so enthused to do it and so excited because this has been just an absolutely absurd year, like an insane year with so many big, big stories. We're going to get to a good few of them today. But just when you think we're rounding the corner to home, just when you think that everything is, is all set in place, neat and tidy and things are ready for some reflection, Vince drops another bombshell. Yeah, and I guess true to form here, the thought process, as you know, having seen my notes behind this show, was there have been these just huge sea change moments behind the scenes in wrestling, both major promotions. Yet, as we are wrapping up on the year, the on-screen product in both instances, uh, it, for both companies, okay, not just going to shit on WWE here, has been boring me to tears. Oh, wow. Yeah, that that would that was kind of going to be what I, you know, my main thesis here today. And, uh, you know, I, obviously, um, Vince McMahon, the news we got today, um, this is behind the scenes stuff, but... Um, and it could have an impact on screen. Who knows? As he apparently wants to make a comeback. God bless. This <laughs> but um, let's start here. OK, because. The main talking point coming into today, OK, when I went to sleep last night and had sent you these notes, my first talking point for 2022. OK, and this is sort of a sobering look here at the year, folks, things I think I learned over the course of the year. And number one on that list is this. The biggest story of 2022, Liam, 
is that the biggest story of 2022 turned out to be not that big. Mm-hmm. Listeners are probably like, what? <laughs> Allow me to explain. Because I'm, of course, referring to Vince McMahon stepping down on July 22nd. Uh, funny story, as you know, because we were texting during this. I was on a family vacation when that <laughs> yeah. happened in South Dakota. Uh, I was also, <laughs> this as I was thinking about that, was reminded that I was on my honeymoon when that Hulk Hogan racist stuff happened, when he was, like, ostracized from the yeah. company. Yes, yeah, but when all that broke. So you know, whenever I go on a big, long trip, my God, all hell breaks loose in pro wrestling. But as Dave Meltzer wrote at the time, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, the single most important figure in the history of pro wrestling, perhaps the most important figure there ever will be in this business, was forced out of the world he heavily shaped due to allegations of sexual misconduct. Now, that is far more eloquently put than what Vince wrote on Twitter uh, that say <laughs> right after, quote, at 77, time for me to retire. Thank you, WWE Universe. Then, now, forever, together. Hashtag WWE. Hashtag thankful. Why the fuck would you write something like that? <laughs> he really spent a lot of time thinking about that. Yeah, he really did. Yes. How many hashtags? You, you, you know what Vince imagined going out? It was going to be with a series of hashtags. That's the way he always yeah. planned it. <laughs> okay. Here we go. And because this has sort of been, you know, we've had to rip up our format sheet a little bit, Tony. But my question to you was going to be, Despite Vince McMahon no longer being actively involved, and we can all joke about shadow booking. You know, people will say that on Twitter when Raw is really crummy. People are like, oh, I think Vince must really be booking again. <laughs> uh, but wrestling, in terms of the on-screen and really its general health, did not feel remotely different five months later after the Vince McMahon resignation. Yeah, it's it's insane. Uh, and and it's, it's interesting because when this started to happen, people were talking about, you know, what if, what if, what if? And there was always certainly that thing for me. Uh, you probably had the same, at least a bit of cynicism that, OK, we've seen these things that could be big deals and time kind of heals a lot of wounds. When it was actually, you know, when Vince goes with that, you know, somewhat <laughs> brief tweet, good way to go. Um, there was always going to be two impacts to Vince going the way you would think, right? The short term and the long term. And as we found out, the short term which people were probably kind of holding their breath on, was actually not that damaging at all. In fact, if I remember right, the ratings actually went up out of yes. curiosity for a few weeks. The stock the, went up as well, which is the what they care about up. more than anything. Exactly. And so when you extend that short-term impact to the rest of, of, of 2022, which will forever be known as the year that Vince, you know, the Vince run ended, like you say, nothing has really changed in terms of what the core product is and what it looks to achieve. Now, Obviously, the bigger picture we're going to see in years to come is the long term. Uh, you know, if the short term wasn't a big deal, and I think that's part of the reason why, until today, this story felt like you said, like kind of a bit of a nothing. Because how can it be possible that Vincent Man leaving would not be a big deal? Well, long term, obviously, it's going to be a bit more interesting. Without Vince, is there a sale? You know, what happens with TV negotiations? What moves get made that shape the company going forward? And so far, obviously, the jury is out on that because things are just status quo. Um, and I was going to say at this point that it's kind of amazing to me still that it actually happened because it wasn't like there was this big giant media blitz when the second Wall Street Journal story came out, um, which had the numbers. And I was convinced that he was just going to carry on no matter what, like Donald Trump, um, you know, that the allegations were going to come. And ultimately, they would adopt the attitude of we'll get through it. It's wrestling. Who the fuck really cares? 
WWE is Vince McMahon's life. It was his entire life for 40 years. I was convinced that he was what only going to... What is he doing, by the way, during the days? I have, have no idea. Have you thought of that? Like, I what have. Does he do? I think that he's, he started watching, like, the X-Files and shows from the 90s that he missed. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's just he's just he's discovered Netflix and he's he's just binging all day. I have no idea. I was convinced that the only way he was going to leave this company was in a wooden box. There was like there, there was no way that Vince was going to voluntarily give up power. And now today it comes out, Kyle. Do you want? I don't know if you want to. Now's the time to kind of talk a little bit about this. But yes, my God, so, so I'm sure by the time you guys are listening to this, you will have heard about this. But two things have have come to light. Uh, today, uh, and this is you know from the Wall Street Journal's reporting. Uh, Wall Street Journal's really taking the lead on this whole story, quite frankly. Um, that <laughs> a um, Rita Chatterton, and, and you and I talked about this story over on Squared Circle Gazette as it was sort of unfolding, um, not in real time necessarily, but as it was first breaking back in 1992 mm-hmm. amid uh, all the other scandals that were hitting the company and did do uh, real short and long-term damage at the time. Uh, very different than today. Uh, she is seeking what? It's $11.5 million in yeah, damages in for yeah. the alleged rape that occurred in 1986. Uh, there is another uh, story which... David Bixenspan has talked about a lot. It really never got picked up, though, by what I would call a major publication. But this was the tanning salon incident that was occurred to record that. What was it that Vince was like nude and he was showing nude pictures to this girl? So, or something? so yeah, I think there's two things here. So the 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 tanning <laughs> deal is from 2006. I think that the other one that we're talking about that, that's in this story is brand new. Oh, okay. Oh, so I, this, this this is a brand new story. Okay, I apologize. It's, yeah, it's a tw- it's apparently it's a 2011 situation where. Um, okay, I got those confused. By the way, how terrible is it that that there are multiple tanning you know, salon it. stories? What does that say about you as a person that <laughs> that I get confused? Oh yeah, which which tanning salons? And, and there's a no, no. There's another one, Kyle. Yeah, no, sir. Not the one where he he stared down the staff and behind the wheel of his vehicle for like 20, 20, 30 minutes or whatever it was while he he stewed over the fact. No, apparently this one was, uh, again, it was at some spa and the spa manager was uh, assaulted by Vince. The woman went and told her boyfriend who, or husband and who who showed up to a W event with a baseball bat looking for Vince, apparently, which okay. is. Okay, now, okay. Which this, is. Okay, this <laughs> business is back. All right. <laughs> yeah. This business is back, okay? We thought um, it was all watered down and homogenized, Kyle. No. Yeah. Oh, boy. I'll tell you what. Think how many camera cuts we would get, by the way, from Kevin Dunn if that guy was hitting Vince with a baseball bat. <laughs> all right. That, even that wouldn't sour the situation. Oh, no. So, okay. That is one side of the ledger that basically these these sexual uh, assault allegations have, are back in the news now. People are seeking financial restitution. Uh, so that is not good, obviously, for WWE. I mean, again, it's it's bad press. It's like, oh, this story didn't blow over. It's back in the news. You know, we, we have to deal with this again. Oh, by the way, that Vince documentary is set to... Uh, They've got to be loving that. Vice is, is licking their lips. They are thanking their lucky stars. This story came out today, aren't they? Yeah, I, well, I heard somebody say that this was a uh, Nick Khan special or something like that. That he, <laughs> it was like intentionally leaked to try to like help the numbers. Uh, I don't know. Ted but, Turner's behind this. 
Yeah, but <laughs> Ted Turner, yeah. But the other fascinating part, and honestly, it's what more people on my timeline have jumped on, is this. Ex-WWE CEO, I'm reading directly from uh, the Wall Street Journal here. Ex-WWE CEO Vince McMahon has told people that he intends to make a comeback that he received bad advice from people close to him to step down amid a uh, sexual misconduct investigation and that had the and that the allegations would have blown over had he stayed and this is kind of what you were just talking about moments ago the Donald Trump playbook all right I don't want to hear anyone say oh I don't want politics in here it's it that's you know, it's Vince's friend. Mm-hmm. Trump's on the record that that's what you do. This stuff just blows. I mean, because I mean, he, Trump has had way more like allegations as him than even Vince, which is oh, yeah. right. I mean, what? I mean, these fucking people. But I mean, yeah, I'm going to have to deal with these two again in 2023, maybe. <laughs> but, um, you know, and, and that's the deal that, you know, OK, the public. They go crazy about this stuff, but the news cycle moves so fast that they just move on to something new in like yeah. a couple days. And, you know, the thought process is, eh, you know, all right, WWE, will, Vince, they'll take their lumps. But in a few weeks, no one will care anymore. No chance in hell will hit. He'll come out. The people were bowing at him in the building. Oh, for Christ's like, oh, sake. What, a, what an indictment. We're going to talk about the product in a minute and the audience. And that, that spoke volumes to it, me. Okay. I've seen multiple people tweet this. Like, they're joking but it's really actually not funny can you imagine if like so if vince did make a comeback and he gets back puts himself back on screen and, and the people did that again well think about this because yeah, it would happen it sure. had 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 things stayed quiet what do you think the chances were that they were doing the hall of fame with vince i still think they were going to i think they, i think they might have done it this year and i think that yep. this yeah and imagine that scene oh my god yeah one more match or something god <laughs> Oh, man. So, again, I, I just want to make this point. <laughs> As Paul Levesque <laughs> feverishly reads the St. Valentine's Day Massacre by rate and says it wasn't that much better than Super Brawl 9, <laughs> he wasn't really that big of a draw for a wrestler, guys! <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so I, I, I'm probably not the only person. I just want to make this this point uh, before we kind of touch on this further. I'm probably not the only person who's made this connection, but when I, I, I look, I wrote a book. I'm not Hunter S. Thompson <laughs> from a journalist perspective, but I do by know. Way, by the way, that, your book on my shelf is actually right next to a Hunter S. Thompson book. Ah, oh, wonderful. Well, there you yeah. go. Maybe. I, 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 hey, I'm, I'm not Hunter S. Thompson, but I'm right next to him. Yeah. So, Fear, Fear and Loathing in the Campaign Trail 72. That's a must read, by the oh, way. Oh, beautiful stuff, kids. Kyle. Yes. So, yes. So, I, so, on that point, when I was taught to evaluate sources, uh, you look at what's there. You look at what's not there because that can tell you quite a lot as well. And then you look at it in totality. Those two things side by side, juxtapose them. Vince McMahon considering a comeback told people that he was, yeah, the, the pe- people close to him told him to step down. He regrets that he did. And then this story showing up. Oh man. Are, are you saying what I think you're saying? I, it's, it, believe me, why it, on earth would this be so public? <laughs> come on uh, man are, are, are we are we going back to the unanswered question of i really they just hope, need to uh, track down i really hope triple h and stephanie find the people who leaked that original story to the wall street journal boy isn't it just the weirdest thing that the people who who he who talked to him and told him to step down gave him that advice 
you know, now he's he's dialing back on it, considering a comeback. And God damn it, what do you know? Another story pops up. And on the, and on the, of all the days that it could have shown to when there's a TV special about how much of an arsehole he is. <laughs> that's just that's just the wildest. Oh man, yeah, wow. There you go. Vince Vince is clearly being hunted down here, and I just need to know who the hunter is in this situation. Who? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, is that like I'm getting like uh, visions of that fully loaded 2000 video package there of the last man <laughs> standing match? How apropos again, since it involves the same person. Um, <laughs> obviously, yeah. I mean, that is interesting because you're you're right. These two things, given what the tenor of the conversation we're having, are just diametrically opposed, right? You have, yep. on one hand, Vince McMahon. Talking about making a comeback into the bit, ah, I shouldn't have left, pal. Yeah, I regret I, it. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't, I, I don't like what the kids doing. <laughs> I took bad advice. Well, who do, yeah. you, who, who had the ability to give him that advice that sure. he would have listened to? Bruce Pritchard? No way. <laughs> no, Bruce, whatever you say, you know, whatever, whatever you say, whatever you want to do, Vince. But I, I imagine the scene when Vince left on that last day was similar to Hogan and Dixie Carter when, when Hogan <laughs> when Hogan left. Oh, Bruce hold on to Vince. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. So, yeah, but, okay, so we have that. Vince wanted to make the comeback, and then we have, you're right, because the, the two things are completely opposed. Vince wanted to make a comeback, and then these allegations resurfacing. It yeah. sort of feels, yeah, oh, boy. And, and, and the fact that the two that make the story are two that are, you know, we're not really big parts of the previous stories. Oh, by the way, there's another new one. Oh, by the way, $11.5 million lawsuit. Just, I just, I don't, you know, again, and you look, because, you, you look at the story in, in totality and that's what it is. And it's funny. Um, it, it, well, none of this is funny, but um, like, w w you know, obviously the board and the corporate side of things, they don't want to deal with $11.5 million law. They just read that and they're like, no, I don't want this. Yeah, it's so it's, like it's, it just it's to make decision makers less inclined to allow him to come back. Now, I don't like, know what the like legally what his right to do. I don't think he can just walk back in the building and say I'm in charge, right? He's majority shareholder. I don't know what that what that counts for. You know, okay, he's, yeah, I mean, he's I not many operations. That. I mean, but can he just can he just show up and be like, it's I'm my back. fucking ball. I'm back. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, now I'll tell you who had a poor read on this situation. Uh, somebody I did not expect to hear from uh, in 2022, let alone on perhaps the biggest news story of all time. And that is Greg Valentine. <laughs> the hammer. Who, who told, and by the way, yes, Rick Skelton, I did wait 15 minutes into the podcast to get warmed up to read this. <laughs> um, but he, Greg Valentine, who, uh, John, uh, uh, is it Wisniewski? I think so. That's a real Polish name, isn't it? Yeah, uh, who, wrestled so. at, who wrestled as Greg Valentine, of course, told the Wall Street Journal that Ms. Chatterton disclosed the allegations while the two were sharing a marijuana cigarette, uh, commonly called a joint, by the way, mm. in a Marriott Hotel parking lot in Albany, New York. Who hasn't been there? Uh, you know, In the <laughs> 1980s. Uh, Valentine said he didn't believe Ms. Chatterton then or now because he didn't think she was attractive enough for Mr. McMahon. <laughs> Yeah, Liam, I was joking <laughs> off here. Why is it that of the 100 worst quotes in human history, 75 of them probably belong to pro wrestlers? 
<laughs> they're the they're the you know the, these are the people that don't fit into society really so they found their home in 80s wrestling you know and and, and 70s wrestling so i mean bret hart i think said similar but probably not quite as strong comments about the subject in terms of he did uh, yes you know being skeptical about the, the possibility of this i i i <laughs> i wouldn't even consider it like even one hundredth of one percent of, of of a factor in this it's vince it's yeah it's about it, power yes yes that's, exactly that's what it's all, about. all right uh speaking of power uh meet the new boss same as the old boss mm. was my second topic here of 2020 obviously we're gonna wait and see how this vince thing unfolds and we're gonna come back to it a little bit here uh as well because it is time to discuss your pal and mine, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, and his first five months of being in charge of this ship. Okay. Mm. So, yeah, I, quoting, uh, of course, one of uh, the most famous exports from your country, the Who there, with Meet the New Boss, same as the old. So, by the way, allow me to be the last to offer my condolences on the three lions earlier <laughs> uh, from over the weekend. Oh, yeah. My, uh, my. yeah. Another uh, four years, you got to wait, buddy. Huh? Well, you know, again, meet the new boss, same as the old boss, kind of applies to that, too. They do, yes. So, uh, okay, but enough about English soccer. Back to the World Wrestling Federation here. So I was going to message you months ago, Liam, that were you worried that our podcast, which we did like in the immediate aftermath, I think, of Vince mm-hmm. stepping down, uh, and we preached skepticism over Triple H as a booker. Were you worried, uh, I wanted to message you, that, man, are you, do you think that might not age well? Do you think that's going to come back? We're going to look foolish? But I never did because I knew how what your response would be then. <laughs> and I certainly know what it is now. Yeah. And yeah. let's kind of just go back to what we were talking about minutes ago, how little the on-screen product has changed under Triple H. Yeah, so I think, I mean, first of all, a lot of people probably owe Nick Khan an apology for blaming him for all those mass calls over the last uh, couple of years because they pretty much all came back immediately. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the faces that returned, things did not change that, that much. I mean, Hunter sounded Vince's learning tree for 20-plus years. It, was nev- it got to the point where the entire company has been conditioned and drill sergeanted to do things a certain way and there are there are if, if there are symbolic changes in the guard which i think on that first podcast we said we both expected there will be some symbolic statement changes that things are different i think war games being introduced was one of them mm-hmm. um you know some you know johnny gargano being brought on the main roster and bray wyatt like the, you know symbolic things that weren't going to happen are now going to happen but once you get past that and you look at what it is, there are still so many things that are exactly the same. And, and really I didn't believe would change. You know, looking at survivor series, it's just wrapped up. Did the women need a war games no. match? Dude, no, okay. let, let, let me be honest with you. So I was not on our survivor series recap. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people, who have followed the program for years know, and I know you know this, but like this time for me is like my busiest time of work and it's just hard. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't, I don't, you know, with those pay-per-views being on or premium live events, pardon me, mm-hmm. being on a Saturday night in the midst of, you know, football weekend, I just can't review them right away. It took me like four times to get through survivor series. I fell asleep. Like I just kept fall- like, admittedly I was starting it late at night, 
but I just kept passing out twice during the women's war games match. Yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I, I you know, to me, it's that thing of it's it's the it's the the statement and the cosmetics of we are going to do war games. That's something that everybody, you know, everybody knows, but a lot of people know that Vince didn't want to do ever because it wasn't his concept. Yes, Triple H brings it up to the main roster, but does it with the Vince staple of you have to have the equality. It wasn't done with the idea of the situation called for it, which it did with the bloodline and made sense because of, of what that group is and what would happen in the months prior. This was just, they just had to have a women's war game match because you have to have two. You have to have one on each side, which is a, a load of bollocks. The brain nonsense that we've seen with uncle Howdy is still there. That oh, would have happened right. under Vince. It's happening under triple H. Michael Cole is still fucking awful. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. No, I, it's so funny because you've hit on what are the two key differences since Triple H took over, and I just wanted <laughs> yeah. to put it in my own words. Michael Cole is now allowed to read off Wikipedia.com on air, <laughs> and the roster's bloated again. Yeah, yeah. Both, both of those things, absolute staples of, of, of this, this period of time. He's, he's no better. The fucking god-awful finish to Clash of the Castle, or at the Castle, excuse me, with was it on Triple H's watch with the Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre, Tyson Fury yes. sing along dog shit? Yeah, they they they're still going to Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the, there are so many things that are just systemic in this promotion that I don't think we're ever going to change. I think that the the damage that's been done, and we can talk about obviously as we will shortly about you know, a very interesting question you have comparing. Um, WWE and AEW, which I've heard you mention before, which is a topic I'm interested to talk about. But to me, it's like when Triple H came in, his he was concerned about kind of getting things to where he wanted them to be or the way he pictured they would be if he was still there anyway. But in truth, nothing about the product has changed. The TV is still the same. The camera work is still the same. The production is still the same. There are some minor changes and some names have been brought back, which have freshened things up somewhat. But the the issues that are really at the core of making me never want to watch are still all there. Yes. And the people who are brought back are bit players. They're just there to fill up space because you got five hours per week and you need more warm bodies, especially when the top guy only you know appears on like a third of the shows yeah and then the second top guy brock lesnar he appears not even less so you just need i think triple h recognized all right we just need more warm bodies but it doesn't and i thought it was such a great word choice by you to say they were symbolic changes Mm. because you're right it's just like you know they say wrestler now yeah, like but, okay. But what, does, but that, but what does that mean? It doesn't make the product better, and and they do it so uh, like ham fisted, like you know, like they're saying, "I'm a wrestler," and they almost like look out to the crowd, like, "Yeah, yeah, you guys are gonna cheer that, right?" And it's like so bad when they. <laughs> I do know it. it's well, like did Drew McIntyre cut a promo like that? I'm almost yeah, positive he did. Yeah. He did, and 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 this is the, it's like, do we? And and this is what that's that to me is the essence of why this promotion can never change. The only way they know to deliver, you know, these little nuggets is in the WWE form. It's it's the idea of this is the thing that you're going to react to, right? And mm. you know, they have to make it obvious. It has to become Pavlovian. And even, I mean, it really is hilarious because the original reason why <laughs> the whole thing about you know, using the term sports and avoiding wrestling, the fury was not necessarily, at least not to me, 
about refusing to use the word because who really gives a shit you're watching the same show it's mm-hmm. about how inorganic and inauthentic it feels to use a term that is completely inauthentic and inorganic on a wrestling show and now in the ultimate irony they have now made the use of the word wrestling as inorganic and as 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 put on and as plastic as they possibly could it it's basically just rather than just being something that just creeps in and and it's these slow changes that actually kind of make it feel like a different promotion it's it's not it's billboarding and it's the only thing they can do and that's where i feel like this promotion is i would say it's never going to change because that's a very ignorant thing to say but there are so many issues that would have to be gotten around and a lot of it at the core is the presentation of information and the only thing they can do is smear it on a billboard and 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 put their uh put their wonderful spin on things and i think that that's you know it, it comes in different forms, and I think that what's interesting is that obviously when the Triple H regime first started, you had this drip feed, or not necessarily drip feed, but kind of a, a recurring you know thing every show. Who's coming back this time? Emma returned apparently. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and her and Madcap Moss are demonstrating all the chemistry that I'm sure makes them a fun double date. <laughs> and and so now you have this situation where it's like, okay, so there's a bunch of people back, and it's like a, it's feeding like sugar to a kid. To this audience it's like okay short-term sugar fix isn't that cool move on and within two weeks they become part of the woodwork i've not heard much about bray white for a few weeks now he's doing this thing with la knight yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah 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 of all the people well, they're gonna be like some dark out mat they're gonna be some blackout match at uh at royal rumble i mean god help us all I, it's freaking la knight i don't know it stinks but any you know um I, ha- I had a point in all this, and now I, I forgot because because I just received a uh, message from the old repack report here. Oh, uh, what's that, he saying? If, if Vince comes back, first thing he's going to do is fire Gargano. <laughs> Which, who knows? I mean, I, I, I joked with you off air. I mean, does Vince McMahon just hate William Regal this much? He's coming back. What that? I, I, and that's actually not only is that absolutely hysterical. <laughs> if, if that happens, Vince comes back and just goes back and does what he does again. Even though the product itself, just to kind of veer away from the product stuff, we're going to come right back to this in a second. I know, but really, what as big a story as the Vince thing was, as big a story in terms of what actually happened is the dramatic, incredible turnaround of fortunes of Triple H from at the start of this year. Regal was fired. Sapolsky was fired. A lot of Triple H's people were canned, you know, and he was obviously he was on the shelf yes. before this because of the heart issues. And that, like, that wasn't a coincidence. Who wasn't being fired? No, exactly. It was we are we are scorching the earth of the people that were seen as the next team, you know, Hunter's team. Yes. And they were all all extricated and now, you know, they've they've all they're all back in. And 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 the product is what it is. Like I said, uh, like we've all said. I'd love to know who leaked that story to the Wall Street Journal that resulted in Triple H and Stephanie having an incredible comeback and getting in Thanks. power. Would love to know who did that. Um, what I was going to say is because we, we were talking about the term wrestling sort mm. of being bastardized and like it's this thing to get a cheap pop now and it makes it uncool. I didn't like when AEW was doing that either <laughs> with the Daniel Garcia storyline. Like, you're not a sports entertainer. You're a wrestler. That was kind of shitty, too, quite frankly. Yeah, I, I think it, I, I would at least give that a little bit of grace, not because I prefer AEW, which I certainly do, but because at least the crowd was chanting it. 
So at least, like, when they're chanting, you're a wrestler, it was like... I, def- I kind of didn't want them to cheer that. I was in the building for that. <laughs> I was kind of ashamed. Yeah. It's like, I don't give a fuck it. what you are. Are you good or, or do you suck? That's yeah. all I care about. Like, I don't care what you want to call yourself. Just yeah. be fucking good and have good <laughs> matches and do have good storylines. I don't give a shit if you think you're a sports entertainer or you're a wrestler. Like, I, I feel like now, like, sports entertainment is just this is a bass to revert to refer to like Vince McMahon's crappy creative of the two thousands. Yeah. Which, which is but the eighties, the eighties WWF was sports entertainment, the attitude era sports. And that's good. Yeah. And that, like, that's, a, that's to me is the sad part of, of, of the, the Jericho appreciation society and the sports entertainment thing is I really wish that they had had Jericho dishing out terrible gimmicks to, to his guys like that's me. Yeah. It's like that, that's, that's you want to waste your TV doing that, though. You know, I mean, they have <laughs> enough problems. We'll get to AEW in a little bit. Um, Jeff, I, just trying these wacky gimmicks with these guys every week, hoping something gets over and you can't figure out why it's not. Yeah, yeah, that that, that would have been I, that would have been amusing. Uh, um, yeah, they should have created a YouTube show for it. But <laughs> all right, I want to get back to theoretically. Vince, like what he would do, yeah. If he did come back, and and like, is he just would he like just slap all of Triple H's minor changes back into next week? But I, I want to actually go to topic three on the agenda first that's, before I do that because I think this is another opportunity to kind of build off what we were just talking about and where WWE is right now at the end of 2022, at least the on-screen product. So. After Double or Nothing, I was on, I had the privilege of being on Wrestling Observer Radio with Garrett Gonzalez, good friend of the show, and I made two key points at the end of my appearance on that show, which I saw his eyebrows raise in both instances, and I feel even more strongly about this six months later, but I said, and this is coming from me, so I think it meant a lot, that WWE, even back in June, was serving its audience, that does not include people like us, obviously, Mm -hmm. better than AEW was serving its audience. And then I also said that when I, despite the fact that it's, they may be serving their core audience well, when I personally watch WWE these days, and this has only just gotten worse as the months have rolled on, Mm -hmm. I just feel... And the comparison I made, it was apropos because I was talking to Garrett, was like Dave Meltzer when he would recap WWF in like the late 80s. Anyone who had read The Observers at the time knows this. He did not like the product at all. It just did not speak to him and and what he liked out of wrestling. But there was always sort of this begrudging, well, it's working. You know, like no, Hmm. no, no promotions ever made more money than these guys. So. They're not going to change, and it's kind of pointless for me to say they should. And that's kind of where I am with WWE. Yeah, as yeah. we run, because if if we've learned anything this year, okay, Vince McMahon would step down. Vince McMahon. Okay, yeah. there was a change at the top, and as we have said over the last thirty minutes, the product really didn't change. So for me to, you know honestly waste my time coming on this podcast saying oh you know this they need to change they need to do this different it it seems fruitless because they have enough people that like the way they do things and are satisfied so what do you do except just throw your hands up in the air and say 
eh, I'll, you know, I'll review it for the, you know, the people who want to listen. I'll say, you know, my piece, but it's not going to change. And it's stupid to think it's going to change. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, what, what you said about where you are at when, when it comes to feeling like Dave Meltzer watching the direct in the late 80s is exactly how I've felt for years. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you have said that and that you feel that way because, you know, prior to the period, it's, it's really weird to me because I've, I've never had this before where prior to the period about five years ago, I, where it dawned on me that I felt that way. Um, I knew that the product sucked mostly and still I was kind of engaged enough just through history and watching it for years and yeah, my whole life and everything like that to watch it and track it and see what's going on. And, and, but there came a point where like, I just re it dawned on me one day, just how cold I was to things like the Brian Kofi thing was a big one because I would listen to reviews of the Brian Kofi buildup and people talking about like this being really good and people really go, yeah, th this is great stuff. And like, I at that point I felt like I had noticed things were changing with my stance on it because I didn't particularly it was just one of those ones where because Kofi was just plucked out of like mid-card obscurity after like one performance at the Elimination Chamber and people and it was like it was that easy to just get him there because mm -hmm. it didn't it didn't matter anyway because they had nothing better going on it, they had nothing better and the belt was basically the Intercontinental title anyway but everybody's acting like it's this incredible landmark thing and at the end of the day. I think that everybody, if they were intellectually honest with themselves, knew before, during, and after that Kofi was not going to be treated like he was any bigger of a star in the long run than he already was, which is exactly what happened. Yeah, so, if, if anything, his reign went too long. Yeah, yeah. I, because because it was, of course, ended in the most miserable way possible. <laughs> but and eventually the day came, and I'm sure that you've had this, where you just where you try to watch and you just it hits you like a ton of bricks that this just isn't for me I, I is a point i never thought that i would personally get to the giant cgi graphics the camera cuts the commentary this the meaningless stories the false drama the faux accomplishments that mean nothing a roster that come off happy to be taking part in the school play without a lot of killer instinct to make themselves stars that you know those things that kind of led to this malaise that i have towards debris now is going to take a long time to reverse but as you say not for the existing fans. The fans that have sat through so much and don't know any better, to them, this is wrestling. This is what WWE is. Like, they're, what they're seeing, this kind of churn and false moments and, and people not really being big, that's kind of what it is. They accept it. They like it. And this year, if anything, kind of exposed it to me, we, we, under Hunter's reign, that those short-term, like, isolated hot moments in quick succession seem to make the biggest impact in, in the business at the moment because, and it's kind of sad to say that those moments aren't yeah. created by stories on television. They're created by these sugar fix moments. Oh, carrying cross that the guy that nobody really cared about and is gone is now back. And we were excited about it. Apparently, um, you know, here, here comes this other, this person that's gone, you know, Dexter Loomis is now, you know, on raw. Isn't that something to, to, to hang your hat on? The people that were like, seemingly the most pleased by this stuff seem to be the people most incapable of thinking six weeks back, let alone like six months. Yeah. Or like and the history of this business. Like, like, yeah. did you really think any of that was going to make a difference? And, you know, people like, you know, you know, you and I are talking the way we do and we're the assholes for raining on everyone's parade saying, do you really think that, you know, fucking carrying cross in six months is going to be going to be in an important position. He's not yeah. even good at wrestling. <laughs> 
I I I find it interesting and kind of it made me you know it's one of those things where it's like it makes me mad <laughs> like it makes me actually it, angry when I see like you know oh ratings are climbing a little bit under the Triple H regime of course that didn't last long but you know, at first it feels like okay there's this weird momentum and it's like because of these these completely meaningless I mean. To, and that's it. It's like, is it meaningless? It's meaningless to us because we know the big picture and we've seen the big picture and we've lived it for 20 plus years and we're so numb to it that we know ultimately why are people, you know, but the, the people who are willing to pay their money to go to these shows, I think that they observe WWE content in isolation anyway and they don't put that much thought into the critical thing of like yeah, yeah, the, the, the impassioned aspect of like, where's this going? Does this matter? It doesn't matter to them, which is why it's so much easier, I think, for them to serve their audience because oh. their audience is, is, is that. Whereas AEW's audience, which yeah, to your point, were they served this year as well as they could have been? Absolutely not. You know, and, and that, that period of time you're talking about around that double or nothing period, especially i mean you know, a little bit prior to double or nothing but especially as the forbidden door bill got going the product really took a, a, a turn in terms of the way that things were feeling and yeah i think that like there, there, were, there are there have been elements of that since around may and but wwe like we say it, it's it's two different audiences which is why i think that we're at the point now in the war where the amount of sway towards aew is fairly minimal but the amount of potential sway in the other direction is bigger if WWE can get their shit together, which I think is one of the lessons of this year. So you do agree, begrudgingly, that the WWE over the course of 2022 served its audience better than AEW served theirs in the sense that I think just compare, like even the the fickle WWE core audience that we, you know, poo-poo and make fun of, you know, on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Th- there was always... Under those last few years under Vince, there was even from them like a sense of disgruntledness. Like the re- like it would sometimes be have to be like the really egregious, like horrible stuff. But there was always kind of like oh, you know, like God, like everyone kind of knew it should be better. And I feel there was less complaining and more. And I don't know if it was just like a result because they they don't want AEWs to to change their worldview but it, it just feels that the 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 audience that is predisposed to like wwe was far more satisfied than people that were looking to aew to change the industry yeah and, and i think yeah and i think that part of that and it's not you know when i say that i'm conscious that that's probably going to sound like a snobbish thing of like wwe fans are dumber and aew with a more sophisticated fans to a degree, I guess there is something to that behind what I'm saying, but I don't mean it as a knock so much as it's just the way that that audience views wrestling and views mm-hmm. WWE as, as their entertainment. It's like, okay, so if AEW did something as fucking hideous as that zombie match that happened a couple a year or so ago oh yeah on a pay-per-view can you fucking imagine what the WWE fan base would say in response to that online? Can you imagine? And I don't think that anything that intentionally hideous or the eye for an eye or any of this stupid garbage but that stuff that does blow over in wwe that that does not have this big 
detrimental effect to the to the feeling and the zeitgeist of the promotion because it's almost become an accepted part that look sometimes shit's gonna happen that isn't gonna be for you you stick with it you wait for the kernels of something interesting which is why i think there is this this momentum about the bloodline being this amazing thing because in reality it's 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 better than the layers of hell that are elsewhere in the promotion for the last 20 years but is it and is it this exceptional all-time television? It looks a lot better than it is because of the environment that, that this has been happening in, I think. Is, is and and, and I'm absolutely going to come back to that point on the bloodline because it, it actually plays into what you were talking about with uh, Brian and, and Kofi. By the way, shout out Rick mm. Skelton, one of our – who I know you know. and, and yes, one of great our, man. Yeah, one of our, our great – um, contributors at Facebook, one of our, our top supporters, who he came on Top Rope Nation Extra once and joked about uh, Kofi Mania and said, I think the only point of Kofi Mania was to let everyone know Vince McMahon was a racist without actually saying it. <laughs> that was one of my favorite contributions to the program uh, from a from a uh, non-host uh, this year. But uh, but I, I wanted to, I mean, there's something I want to talk about the bloodline and compare it to Brian and Kofi and, mm-hmm. and why I feel like, oh, these great moments aren't so great. You talked about feeling kind of angry at times, almost, at the reception towards WWE under Triple H. And you shouldn't feel bad or wrong that way, because I feel that way, too. I see, and, you know, it's not just the WWE core, like what we think of as the WWE core audience. Like, I read these uh, Observer poll results. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck show are these people watching? Yeah, it blows my mind sometimes. Like Survivor Series? This show was no good. But people are convinced, man. They, they have sat like, through like, so much like, awful the, stuff. I, again, I, I guess it's because, and people are going to say, oh, well, you're just being too critical, and, and you're just comparing everything to every. But that's the whole point. I, I don't know. I guess, like, when you have a podcast, you kind of have to do that. Like, I'm well, not just going <laughs> to come on here and go, rah, rah, I love the wrestling. I mean, that's just stupid. Like, like to me... Every single change Triple H made to the War Games match is for the worse. Yes, absolutely. Like, I, I, like I, the, the roof not being on it is stupid. Bringing weapons into it is stupid. Having two of them on the same night is stupid. Having the participants not in the ring in a jail like the fucking the Keystone Cops ran round them up is fucking <laughs> stupid. Like, it, it, the matches are too long. The people don't know how to fucking work them. Other than that, it was a great time, by the way. (laughs) Other than everything I just said, they did a hell of a job. Um, You know, I mean, it was well worth 40 minutes for me to wait, uh, wait 40 minutes to see Sami Zayn kick Kevin Owens in the balls. Yeah, that, that, that was the, worth the good, my, the good, yeah. the good five to seven minutes you get at the end when actually things are kind of coming together. Yeah, I, I, and I, that's it. That's like I, I, I wonder. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, isn't it? Because you look historically through wrestling, and you look at these periods of time where things are successful in spite of themselves sometimes. You know, like 1999, mm-hmm. the WWF is always a classic example. But it's probably the first one that people think of when you're like, successful product. We just had a discussion about this on the Facebook page. Brilliant, brilliant, yeah. yeah. You know, hugely successful, fairly awful product for most of the year. If, 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 if you but, break it down the way that you break things down now, fairly awful product for the year. However, there is the asterisk of the stuff at the top. That was yeah. It, it, it they had Steve for a Austin and The Rock, and they were still riding high off '98. Basically, they were right. Yeah, exactly. And the bit and the business was just fucking molten hot. They broke all sorts of ratings records in '99 because of the momentum and the press, the ink that they were getting, and 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 that kind of sustained and and 
yeah, it was just, it's an incredible thing. And this is where we're at now where like the audience is constricted. I was listening to an old podcast that we had done. <laughs> this Monday Night War timeline series you may have heard of once or twice, yes. Kyle. Yes. Um, I was listening to an episode of it randomly. Please the bring day it where, back. Yeah. <laughs> while I was, uh, while I was uh, doing something else and we had mentioned, this is apropos of nothing. It's one of those statements that you hear some people make sometimes and it's kind of pointless. So I apologize in advance, but like, the January 4th, 1999 Nitro and Raw head-to-head did like a combined something called 11 million viewers or something like that. And then like I look at this past week's Raw ratings that did like 1.2 million viewers in the final hour. And of course, it's a complete apples to oranges comparison yes. with the changes in cable and you know all, the, all these years of difference. It's it's completely pointless to do that comparison. The only reason the only reason why I bring this up is to kind of illustrate the point that even though the wrestling audience in the last 20 years has constricted so drastically. The rules have kind of changed as a result, don't you think? Where it comes like when WWE, it's a lot easier for WWE to be successful with the people who are still with them than I think it's ever been. Yes, absolutely. It is. Like, do you think, I mean, there would have been a time when some of the stuff that they're doing now would have been maligned because of what their audience was then. Like, if, if they just brought back a bunch of people from NXT, they're not getting the reactions they're getting in, in that, that big surprise moment. No. And it, it creates this, like, illusion of popularity that, okay, it makes it kind of a little bit, in, bit more intriguing than it would have been if this had been done years and years and years ago. And, the, and again, ultimately where this comes down to is WWE have figured out, I think, to a degree... There are certain things that they can do that their audience will just lap up and they can mm-hmm. just, and, and, and unfortunately that's kind of where we're at. It's like AEW has to be at the higher level. They have to be better. Otherwise there's no point in being there. Correct. And WWE has to basically just not give the fans a reason to stop. And that's all it is. Like, don't just keep, you know, don't let them leave. Even, and they've done so many horrible things that they've stayed through that it's almost unfathomable. Like, what is but it? That's the remaining, yeah, yeah. Well, like, if you haven't been turned off by the WWE now, you're there for forever. You, yeah. You're there forever. And the only thing that's going to stop is when there is competition for those eyeballs on Monday nights or on Fridays, where something you know far more important happens in the sports world or in the news world, and it will make an impact on the wrestling business. And that's really the only time things seem to fluctuate. Yeah. And I feel like we've been at this same level for like three, four, five years now. Yeah, well, I, I agree. And that's, so that's WWE and, you know, nothing's changed with us. We're, we're still, you know, you give them, you know, and here's what's fascinating. I, as you were talking, there was a point I wanted to come back to. You know, yeah, you, you've done enough of these with me that, you know, when I don't have things written down, it's like a <laughs> catastrophe. I think of things and I can't remember them. I, I, I should just start typing things while you're talking. But the, I, the point has come back to me. What is so fascinating to me when you talk, and I don't talk to many of them, but you see some of these conversations on Twitter. I've actually had tried to have some of them. And I just threw my hands there. So this is not worth my time. Yeah. But you cannot. The, the the WWE diehard fan cannot understand that the financial success of this company, the, the state that it's in, which is all time great. Make no yeah. mistake about it, folks. I mean, they've never made more money. I mean, they can just blow money on these sh- shitty Triple H mid-card toys. 
Okay, and apparently maybe that's enough to piss Vince McMahon off to want back in so he can fire them again. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you can't tell a WWE diehard fan that the financial success that the company's in right now is not at all tied to the creative on-screen product. No. Uh, And and I think that's like the most frustrating thing for me as a consumer of, even if it's a part-time consumer of WWE, is growing up, generally speaking, how much money the company was making was directly related to how good the product was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly been times when, and there's certainly been other promotions in history that weren't doing huge numbers, the box office, but I enjoyed it. But WWE is, is what makes it so fascinating as we head into 2023 is there's never been a company that was just so creatively bereft that made more money. Yeah. And, and, and it's that, not, it's just fucking annoying to me. <laughs> like, yeah, it is. I mean, and it kind of like it, what it's and what it, it just try like to me rooting for the WWE. It's like rooting for like a network sitcom or like a top, <laughs> like, like a big pop star or something. It's like, I really hope the big bang theory does good numbers again. You yeah. Know? You know, why, just, why, why do we eat this homogenized? I, I, yeah. I, I feel like, um, it's, 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 it's true in the sense that, you can talk to a WWE fan or somebody who's following the product. Let's not use the, the diehard WWE fan necessarily. They, it's like this acceptance. They just, they know, they, they, you know, they are convinced you know, that obviously WWE is great because it's doing well. And it's like, it's, I don't think that you are as engaged as you think you are. I, I, I mean, the money that they're making is not necessarily, with the exception of when they do like the sellouts at stadiums, which is like well, which, which should be fair. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, me. you, you know, you know, we, we, look, look, you know, you do have to do a tip of the cap. I mean, they do, you know, they do, but they do for their big shows. And but again, like to, I guess this is why I was just to tie this into a bow, just to bring this all back together to that initial point I made about 1999 and those ratings, which uh, yo again, the whole idea to me is that. The reason WWE is the way it is now is because of changes that have happened in the world around them. The, the, the changes in cable television and the fact that they are still, you know, a top five show, despite the fact that their viewing audience has, has you know, mm-hmm. cut in, in you know, tenfold, as we said, from, from previous examples. But the whole point is that doesn't necessarily matter because things have changed so much around them. The structure of television rights, the, the idea for them is if they just can stay status quo that is success now and yes they don't want to change there's no there is absolutely no i mean again i think the, the other point of extra is, is if a change at the top if vince mcmahon leaving is not going to change what this product looks like or how it behave i mean what else can yeah I mean, and so, if so, you're I, them mm-hmm. if you're them think about this kyle if you're them do you want to make the big sweeping changes? No, the you don't. That's, breaking, that's why it's pointless for me to yell about it. Status quo, yeah. Because you, you know what? They look around it. It's got big production. They're making more money than they ever have. They do do the big stadium shows. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which again, so this is the point that you saying that was the trigger for me saying that point before. Again, is that because the product is so super, super hot or is it because they have good exposure on Fox? I just think it's it's more okay. Let me ask you a question. What is more impressive to you, the WWE, the modern WWE stadium attendance, or the fact to 
throwback to a show we just reviewed on Top Rope Nation Classic. The fact that World Class, which did not have television throughout this country, did like 20,000 on Thanksgiving night in 1983. World Class. Okay. That's what I thought you would say, and yeah, I, yeah. I, I would agree with you. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I agree. A that, small that. concentrated region getting a higher percentage of, of, of its potential audience to, to, to come out like that is unbelievable. WWE doing the same thing. Again, it's it's part of the modern world, that, that the changes that have gone on around us. They're not going to do those big attendances for random shows, for random roars. But if it's a big show, if they build it, you, they will come. That's the way that like events have been in America for the last like, 10, 15 years now, is that the big events do better than ever, but the smaller ones tend to do worse. Yes, and and you know to be honest, Triple H's booking, which is pretty fucking boring, to be honest with you. I mean, <laughs> he's taken fifty fifty booking, and he's now created what I, I call thirty three percent booking with Lashley, Theory, and Rollins on Raw. <laughs> but like, is law? You know, Justin Joint was the one who immediately came on and said, you know, he's just picking up dog poop in front of the mansion. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and like honestly, all you have to do if you're WWE is. Give the illusion of being a very big thing, be corporate yes. friendly, and just not do things that are really, really stupid. Just which don't. includes having, you know, theoretically your CEO, you know, accused of sexual assault of multiple women. Yeah, exactly. So, and and that's it. And do you want if you're Triple H, do you want to be the guy that makes big changes to the company and the audience and fails. as we said, and, and the yes, exactly. And the audience all of a sudden goes, Yeah, this is different to what I was watching it for. Yeah. Like I, I, I've kind of, I've kind of, I don't really, I'm not really all that interested in this. I, I wouldn't pay money for a big show for this because this thing that has this exposure and gets adverts on Fox and stuff. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe I won't go to that one anymore because you know, if we're just going to be talking about how he's a wrestler and we're going to have 40 minute snooze fests, then maybe not. You know, maybe not for me. But who knows? You know, and and, and that's why I think things are things things stay status quo because people are afraid of what happens if you get it wrong. They don't have the confidence themselves. And again, this 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 structure to do with the, its, its place in America, its place on television, its place in the world of entertainment, it's all about just sustaining. Yeah. And let's go back in time to what we're reviewing, you and I, uh, on Squared Circle Gazette. WWE got stale in 90 and 91, but it never would have changed unless if it was forced to by the steroid scandal and they had to get rid of everybody. Because they were all roided up, and then they did try a lot of not. And we haven't gotten into this yet because we haven't really got because we're still in '92 and we haven't gotten '93. But over the next couple of years, they did try some novel concepts that largely most of them did not work. But nice. at least, like, it's funny when you know because everyone like just thinks like '93 through like '95, maybe into '96 is just this dog shit period. And and from a fi uh, financial perspective, yes. It was the dark era of the period, but I am far more apt to go back now and revisit that period than I would be, say, the last five years, because there were more chances taken, and there's more of an identity specific to that era, whereas now, you could throw something on from 2016, tell me it happened in 2018, and I believe you. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the consequence of things happening, decisions being made— Part of that, again, is the roster bloat and not firing that many people for a long period of time. Of course, they, they tried to change that, I guess Vince did, by culling half the roster. But even then, the people that were kept are people who, you know, ran another Randy Orton SummerSlam main event, you know, is, is, it was, was the big plan or something this year, I think. Yes, so it's it like, was. Yeah, yeah. And, and, so. and, what did, and what did they do? Uh, by the way, it's going to be great when we come back to this for WrestleMania stuff. I, I want to get to AEW very badly. But um, yeah. it's funny with, with Randy Orton, what was their 
kind of uh, plan B when Randy Orton got hurt. They inserted his tag partner, Matt Riddle, into the spot and basically had him just wrestle like he was Randy Orton. Mm, Remember yeah. he was getting Orton chants going? Yeah. He's like, yeah. chant Randy Orton for me. Yeah. <laughs> what a star. I mean, he was doing Orton's move. I, has it come to this? All right, fuck that. We're, all right, we got to move on. <laughs> I, I, I want to talk about AEW because I think a lot of people, when I uh, tease the show, were more interested in the AEW uh, portion of the program. And what I learned about AEW in 22, uh, Liam, 2022. Uh, is that wrestling could still break my heart. And, uh, yeah, I know. AEW's uh, fall, shame. and I'm not talking about the autumn. I'm talking about its fall, because make no mistake about it, in my view, it was a fall uh, from grace. And I'll have a shocking admission here to you in a moment. I gave you the opportunity to read it in the notes as I wrote it in white text and offered mm. you the opportunity to highlight over it. You said you did not take me up on that opportunity, so you will be learning as the listeners do. But yep. before we get to that, William, I'm just going to come out and say this. And the next, you know, 30 or so minutes, uh, you have a mission, if you so choose to accept it, and it's to sell me on this AEW moving forward. Okay? <laughs> no pressure. But I just don't think there is any way you can argue that 2022 was not a step back uh, for AEW. They lost the guy responsible for their biggest pay-per-view number and the most buzz, CM Punk. And the guy whom everyone thinks should beat Roman Reigns now for the WWE title, Cody Rhodes. Mm. Uh, they, too, chose roster bloat. Uh, and as a result, I don't think there's a ton of people in this promotion who are more over now or more intriguing than they were this time last year. I think the creative stopped clicking before Double or Nothing. Mm. And, and, and I made those comments uh, on Wrestling Observer Radio with Gary Gonzalez. Yeah. Do you agree with me? that AEW took a step back in 2022. Uh, I do. I don't, I don't think that there is a way to argue that. Um, there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot to go over with AEW this year. Um, first and foremost, and, and there are, you know, obviously there, there are issues at play here. I want to touch on them like you do without trying to sound like an apologist for AEW, because that's not what the following, uh, you know, 20 minutes or so is probably going to be for me. But, I do want to say that any honest review of the company this year has to acknowledge the sheer number of things that got fucked up <laughs> because I, I saw a list and it's a Cody leaves AEW out of nowhere, forcing Sammy and Ty into the Cody and Brandy role, which ends up fucking them. And that's just hideous. CM Punk's first title reign scrapped due to injury because he breaks his foot. MJF with a months long absence due to whatever the fuck that thing was with Dio, the, the contract argument whatever brian danielson out for two months due to a concussion missing forbidden door the elite versus the undisputed elite ends with yo know, adam cole getting a concussion kyle o'reilly getting neck surgery kenny omega's out the hardys winning the aw world tag titles planned scrapped due to jeff hardy's dui cm punk's second title reign ending before it even starts due to an injury and of course the the, the, the chaos in the press conference and the, and the fight backstage all out the elite vacating their titles because of that situation andrade's storyline with 10 gets killed because of andrade fighting sammy guevara eddie kingston's match with sammy guevara all out off the table due to the backstage melee the house of black written off television as malachi tries to get a release and go back to the beauty thinking the grass is greener chris statlander potentially going to dethrone jade cargill and build to that match 
scrapped due to another injury. Jungle Boy and Christian Cage sidelined due to an injury to Christian Cage. Top flight in line for a push. Shelvin Darius gets injured again. Thunder Rosa vacating the title because of Tony Storm. Uh, sorry, sorry you know, after you know, proposing to Tony Storm due to her injury. Ricky Starks, a couple of stop-start pushes for him this year because he was banged up for a while. Ruby Soho gets a broken nose. Ric Flair was supposed to join before the Dark Side of the Ring episode. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot about that. And, and the backlash that comes from that. And then they build the company around the, you know, the, the Backpool Combat Club in many ways in the absence of, of Punk and the Elite. And then William Regal wants to leave the company. And they, and they do. So... And that's just a snippet. Now, some of those are obviously far more important than others that I mentioned there, but it's just to stress the point that what we saw this year was not the year that it was supposed to be. And that is not, and having said that, that is not to excuse the bad decisions that were made. Okay. Because there were some. Yes. So that, that, that's interesting because everything you said is very real, definitely happened, and it would be tough for any booker. I just think even... As those problems were going on, I just, and it, it started a little bit before Double or Nothing. The creative just seemed off. And, you know, I joked earlier about family vacations and, and pro wrestling and whatnot. I thought of something, and, and I might be, I, I might have screwed myself here, Liam, with this AEW. So I'm going to take you back in time. I don't think I've ever told you this story. Okay. Uh, uh, this was the summer of 2000. I was on a cruise with my parents around Alaska, okay? And it was it had its high moments, it had its boring points. And during one of the boring points, I was like in the lounge of the cruise ship. And you know what I started doing? This is what, what kind of person I am. You'll, you will laugh very hard. I started fantasy booking what I wanted the WWF to do until WrestleMania 17. <laughs> Imagine yes. being on a cruise through Alaska and you're just bringing out the notebook and saying, all right, if you give me the book, <laughs> this is what I would do for the next nine months. And, uh, I, I, it, and, and I had never really done something like that. Mm. Okay. You know, I mean, it beats fucking hanging out with my parents when I'm 20 and looking at glaciers or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Although I'd love to go back now. I, I was a knucklehead. But anyway, and I, I remember I like, came up with those, and I was like, man, this is fucking good. If they did this and it seemed all realistic, I'm like, man, this WWE have to be stronger than ever. And they didn't do any of it. And it like I started souring on the product as 2000 went along. And yeah. sure enough, I wound up like, having this like resentment, like why aren't they doing what I want? And so I want to be very careful with AEW because I did the same thing late last year when mm. they were really hot and they remember I came on the show. Uh, this was after full gear last year. And I said, all right, here's the two directions you need to go. I think you need to pair up uh, the new champion Cole and Brian Danielson. And I think you need to pair up CM Punk and MJF. And they did it right away. And I'm like, fuck. Oh, hangman, hangman, not Cole. Yes, Hangman. Yes, pardon me, Hangman. Too many Adams. Uh-oh, look out. <laughs> Vince McMahon wins again. Um, anyway, yes, Hangman and Danielson and, and MJF and Punk. I was like, fuck yeah, they're doing exactly what I want. Yeah. And so I said, I was like, this, all right, this is how I'm going through 2022 now. And they just, it's not, but I just feel it's, it's not just that they didn't do the things that I wanted to see. It's that I just don't know if Tony books the way I want him to in a lot okay. of things. And, and I, and I, I want to come back to it, but I, I have to hit you with this first, the shocking admission. Please okay? do, because please do. I, I want you to understand and the listeners to understand just how disgusted I have actually become with this promotion. Wow. Okay. All right. You want to highlight? Do you want to highlight or do you just want me to read it to you? I'll highlight it right now. As in, you, know, you, you go ahead and say it. Okay. I have not watched a full episode of AEW in the last two months. 
Oh my and god. I haven't watched Full Gear. Oh. And it's because I just don't want to. Oh and my word. I, I've, I, I'm following the product, the write-ups. I certainly catch the clips. If, something's, if somebody says something's real good, I'll go back and watch it. I've got it all on the DVR. But I just remember, and you know my fucking memory can be shitty sometimes, but um, and it can be great in other times, but I remember as I sit here in the office, I look over into our television room next to us. I remember sitting on the couch, the dynamite after full gear, and... Like a lot of people, I was glued to the screen. I was like, God, how are, how are they going to get out of this one, man? <laughs> they, Tony Khan <laughs> is in a pickle, and I don't know what the hell I would do. Um, I, I had some thoughts, but I remember him just coming on screen, just smiling, and he's like, we're just going to have ourselves, a, you know, not acknowledging. And I know there was legal reasons, okay? But, and he's just like, you know, we're going to have a tournament, and I'm just thinking to myself, dude, they're just going to fucking have another meaningless tournament to crown a champion who's going to obviously lose to MJF. I just remember throwing down the remote and saying, fuck this. And wow. Like, and I was just like, I'll catch up when when I can. I just think, like, I don't, I, I somewhere they've just lost the plot. And <laughs> I, I just, it's hard, like, to me, first of all, Seeing CM Punk leave, it's not like he personally insulted me by insulting AEW. I just, I, I feel upset because I just, I so badly, like so many people, want to see this company not just exist and thrive, but compete with yeah. WWE. And maybe even force WWE to change, like we talked about. That is yeah. not going to fucking happen now at all. I mean, we talk about WWE's not going to change anyway, but certainly AEW is not forcing anybody's hand anymore and i and just punk leaving and you know to me cody leaving is such a bad like i at the time like people like oh who cares he's getting booed you know fuck cody but like i'm like dude that's a bad look when you're evp and we don't know why he did yet i just feel it's a cloud hanging over the promotion like why did he leave yeah i I, and like and to me and like i'm just like yeah, I'm like, God, this guy should have been the top heel on AEW this year. Why didn't that work? I know, I know. Was, that's that's that pissed me off so much. Was he too proud to do that? Yeah, he like, wants to be baby I find face. that hard to believe. No, I think he wants to be I think he so badly wants to be a babyface. And just the biggest babyface. Yeah. I you do. Know, do you think there was problems with him and the other EVPs? I don't think that there were significant enough problems with him, him and the EVPs. I think that there were probably more likely problems with him and his place in the company because there was no place in the company really for him if he wasn't going to turn heel. There was, God damn it. It was him being upset about CM Punk and then feuding at the top of the... Oh, no, 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 That's what I mean. It, there was no place in the company for him if he wasn't going to be a heel. Okay. But if, if he was going to be a heel, he had the top place in the company. You know, that's, yes. that's the frustrating thing. He, he had an absolutely beautiful gold mine position in AEW but i think in his mind given his age and probably how he feels physically i think that there was a part of him that thought this next 3 years is going to be who you know who knows how big who knows how much he can do and who knows where he's going to be when that 3 year period is finished and does he want to spend the time doing something he doesn't really want to do because he doesn't want to be a heel and he was fighting it tooth and nail even when they were booing him. And or does he want to go over there and try his hand at being the biggest babyface because they desperately need one? Yeah, and I okay. think that they, I think that Cody I think that he knew that if he 
I think that part of it, I think a lot of it was more about attention than people realize. He just, he's, he's, please love me. I want he, to soak in the adulation. He wants to be the star. He wants to be a superstar. And, and I think that he had started to feel like his star was waning. I think that he was starting to feel like he was less important to AW than ever before, which is true. I think that if Cody was injured this year and hadn't gone to WWE, I don't think that people would have been like, oh my God, what a loss in the same way that they were when Kenny was gone or that when Punk went, you know? Yeah, I think. Yeah, um, I, th- I think that's where we were at. You know, that last where one of the last pay views he was on, where like he was in this tag with like him and Pat. Oh yeah, that was Friday yeah, that was, and Malachi. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Yeah, is that this? was WWE stuff. It's like, well, we have to put these guys on the card. So let's yeah. just have them, yeah, just put them together. They'll have a match. We'll give it time. They'll do stuff, and no one will think twice about it in five minutes. But all right, I, w- I want to get. Well, let's not because I have stunned you and stunned America. Yes, and stunned the United <laughs> Kingdom. And stun the wrestling world with my comments about AEW moments ago. Let's not bury the lead here. No, uh, no. Me not watching AEW actively since full gear. Am I being overly harsh towards this company? Sell me on uh, on why. No, okay, so two things here. Number one, no is the answer. No, you're not you're not being too harsh. And here is why I think that what you've what you've said is a perfectly natural reaction. And it's sad for me to say, because I love AEW and I do want it to do well. I do still enjoy the show a great deal. And I think this last week's Dynamite was one of the better ones in probably since full gear. I did catch the uh, MJF Ricky Starks promo. That was very good. Although again, it's the WWE thing. We're st- like, I'm, I'm watching this. I'm like, well, Ricky Starks isn't going to beat him. Mm. So, so you're heating up a baby face to lose again. That's that's shit that we would kill Vince for. Yeah, and then it, but I think that also, I think AEW typically gets a little bit more leeway. Although again, this has changed. Um, before there was always, I think, the, the feeling of like, well, people don't usually have that thing where they get pushed, they get job, and then they're back where they were. But that started to happen this year, and that's yes. part of the reason. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll touch on that afterwards because I know that you have a message to Tony Khan that you want to get to, and I think that it's it's part of that. But the reason I was going to say I don't think it's necessarily your fault to have jumped off at the point you did is because I think that it's a very natural evolution. AEW from day one, it felt like, even through the pandemic, it felt like it was going on in a trajectory. Yes. It feels like we're building, we're building, we're building. Even during this period where things are naturally going to be a bit more quiet, you know, we're building blocks. If they had a setback where they did a bad rating, a couple of, you know, within a few weeks, they were back to where they were and we're building and we're creating new stars and we're taking the right steps. Things are on the upward ascent to the point where, you hit that euphoric phase we did towards the end, you know, the middle to the end of last year where you get Punk, Danielson, Adam Cole. The ratings are, are, are really strong, stronger than they've been, um, you know, for, for a while there, getting like 1.2 million viewers consistently. 1. And 1 you have a great roster with so many moving pieces. With And all this, and you could just see this next year is going to be absolutely fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. And then, and then... Even when it wasn't what I think people wanted it to be, for several reasons we'll get to, the fact that now Punk, who was a golden carrot for fans for so long, for so many years, seven years, for him to say what he said about the company, for him to no longer be there, it feels like a step back. And it's the first time that the company's had to deal with a step back to the point where, like you say, that show after all out when they're on television and they're going to do this tournament and we're going to crown a new champion. And it's like, you know, for a, for a company that has this many people, it shouldn't feel like depth is a problem. And all of a sudden it does. 
Yeah. Even though you've got 150 people on the roster, we've got a tournament here, and it feels like depth is a problem. Well, and, <laughs> and like, we're going to hit on it. Yeah, we're, we're going to hit on it. We're going to we're, we're yeah. going to uh, hit on that in a minute. But you're right. I, I think that was such a good point that you made about uh, you know Punk. Sim, you know, he he was like a symbol for so many years. It, it was he was like CM Punk was kind of like a protest chant against WWE, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh god, th- this current WWE sucks, and you know we want the CM Punks of the world back, and and the and then the rival promotion swoops yep. in and is able to bring him back to wrestling. And it's like, oh my God, what an unbelievable marriage. And, and by doing so, it validates AEW. And it validates yes. this this company is worth CM Punk's time. After after everything that you've seen, and we're all on board with it. We all agree that we're heading in this upward trajectory together. And then what happens? And people happens, are jumping apart. too. Other people, like disgruntled people are jumping and stuff. Yep. And um, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit more. Now, CM Punk... It's funny, you know, obviously you can't excuse what he did. He was completely out of bounds. No. You, know, you, you can't just shit on a fucking promotion like that. I, I, I would have fired him for the press conference alone. Probably. Yes. I mean, I would have just pulled his mic. And I mean, if you're Tony Khan, do you hit him? Can you do that? <laughs> Is that like frowned upon? I don't know. I mean, if it was me, I mean, I, I might have hit him. But anyway, uh or brought out a shooter or something. I don't know. Like, call them, you know, where's Anthony Agogo or something? Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. But, you know, it's funny. You know, Punk complained. Because I want to bring this back. Because, again, you have made the point, and it's a good one, that there were a lot of unforeseen, you know, things that happened to AEW that make it really hard if you're the booker. Okay? But I want to point to something that, you know, CM Punk kind of complained about, yet... You look back and you're like, well, dude, you were guilty of what you're complaining about. Okay, I want to talk about the creative here. So he was pissed, obviously, about that Adam Page throwaway line in the build to Double or Nothing, right? That that didn't even register with anybody. And people like – and that's what I – like nobody even cared about that, man. Why would you be so mad about that? We'd all forgotten about that. Well, you know what's funny about like CM Punk bitching about his – status as this top baby face being undercut. Look at who he worked with on pay-per-view. Go back. Works Darby Allen on his first pay-per-view. What's Darby Allen? Babyface. Mm-hmm. Second pay-per-view works Eddie Kingston. Mm-hmm. What's Eddie Kingston? He's a babyface. Third pay-per-view, he works MJF. Everyone agrees that that was the creative apex. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that worked. That that was very that was top level heel, top level baby. That was awesome. That was yeah. awesome. Feud of the fourth, year. Fourth me. Fourth pay per view. Who does he work? Adam Page. What's he? Yeah. That's a baby face. Fifth pay per view. He works. John Moxley. Baby face. So what the fuck are you complaining about? You're undercutting <laughs> yourself by allowing that to happen. Either you're oblivious to what you're complaining about, or like I don't know. Maybe I like. Tony Khan just didn't care, like, and maybe Punk had, like, but, you know, don't complain about being undercut as a babyface when you're just working with other babyfaces on pay-per-view. And that's yeah. what I talk about with, with the AEW creative. That shit, like, I thought that was, like, it's so funny because you and I love to revisit periods, obviously, of wrestling history, and I don't really want to revisit the last couple of years of wrestling history, but I, I, I do in a sense that, like, I feel that if other people did, 
it would not. And, and I don't mean to be a Grinch or a fucking Scrooge. I'm using Christmas terms, obviously, here because we're very close to holiday. <laughs> but like, I feel if people would go back and look at the last couple of years, you, you know, and, and you know whose ratings I'm, I'm referring to here, um, they'd all be way lower on these matches. And I just think that, like, there's a lot of stuff that just in retrospect was just a bad idea. I mean, it's not just WWE, it's AEW. I just think a lot of the stuff that maybe we liked at the time and sung its praises, it just didn't have a lot of staying power in the, over the last 12 months. Possibly it seemed so. cool in isolation, but again, just like WWE, you know, WWE, we always talk about how it's a moment's promotion and, yeah. you know, stuff happens, but it really, and, and that brings me to my message to Tony Khan, Liam. Okay. Ideas are great, but stars are better. And this is where Tony Khan has failed in 2022. To me, I had in my mind late last year, I'm like, okay, you can fucking build this promotion around like these 12 people, guys and gals yeah. or something. I'm just throwing a number off. I don't know if the exact number is 12, but whatever. We'll just work with it and just turn them into household names that are synonymous with the AEW brand. Yeah. By the way, I I, I want to get, I have nothing against Britt Baker at all. I, I thought that comment, no one's above the brand. That was fucking shitty. That pissed yeah. me off. Yeah, and I, that's like something somebody in WWE go to said. WWE and say that. This yeah, is, yeah. That don't, don't, so... I don't want to hear that. I, I'm sorry. I grew up when the big stars were bigger than the brand, and that's the way yeah. I want it to be. And it's it, the way Britt Baker got over. Yes, yes. Um. So, what do you think about? Do, do you feel that Tony? Like, okay, here's a, just a recent example. He brings fucking Junakiyama in. Okay, I love Junakiyama. Okay, he was in the he was in the match of the year in 1996. Okay. And it's really cool to see him on national television in the year 2022. But does that really do anything? Like, it's like, okay, you're doing that. Maybe we're going to. But did that raise Eddie Kingston as a star? I know it's only been a couple weeks, but I don't think it did. It's just like it's these things that happen, you know, and there's so many. How many guys that were up and comers at the start of the year are still up and comers? That's that's the big one for me. personally. Yes. Um, You know, Starks, Jungle Boy, Darby, uh, you know, you name it. There's just guys who it just feels like, ah, oh, all right, this guy's going to break out. And when you talk about losing Cody, losing Punk, I don't think the holdovers on top have been demonstrably better enough to counteract that, those losses. No, and a big part of that is because as much, and this is a bit of a dilemma, this is kind of getting ahead of ourselves here, but... There's been an awful lot of focus on Chris Jericho this year. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but Chris Jericho is not the solution. He no. is he is a absolutely great person to have on the roster for many reasons. But as the feature performer at a time like this, I don't think is the answer, personally. No, he's um, t- he's t- he, I have seen sharp people on Twitter, people that I'm inclined to agree with, make the comparison him and AEW to Terry Funk in ECW. I not only, okay, I actually said that to Chris Jericho himself. Um, I like you a lot. Yeah, I I DM'd Chris Jericho. We went back and forth for a little while in 2018 or 19. And I told him (laughs) that he is the Terry Funk of the modern era and that he's, that is going to be his role for the next five years. So, I'm actually very happy that you've said that because that makes me feel like I was a prognosticator. Yeah, but, but, no. I feel, but, but I feel he <laughs> sees himself as something more than Terry Funk. Where I, I think he, he's like, 
I should be the top guy, not making the guy who is going to lead this promotion into the next year. Yeah, I mean, Jericho's been good. I mean, there was a point earlier this year, and we are going to cycle back to that, that your, your ideas are great, but stars are better. But I just want to say, on the Jericho point, there was a point earlier this year where he was looking like the most expendable big star on the roster before all this other shit went down, where, like, mm-hmm. yeah, when he, like, loses in the opener of the pay to Eddie Kingston and before the whole Jericho Appreciation Society thing kicks off, it's around that revolution time. It's like Jericho just feels like a mayo. He, you know what, though? He's never really taken a long period off, has he? He's never been injured. <laughs> Ever. Yeah, like, I mean, which, and I'm not wishing injury on him, but I'm no, just like, take a, like, take, like, Jericho, it did reach a point, I think, like when you're talking about, where it felt like he needed to take a pay-per-view cycle off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... I think that now where we're at, and, and it's you know, in terms of focusing on the eight to 12 stars, I agree completely. There, there are benefits to Tony's booking style that I do like. I like that he protects his stars. I like the cycling people in and out, except when the rush has exploded to the size that it has, the, say, the cycling takes a lot longer. And the stars yes. aren't stars if they're getting the same amount of TV time or less than people like Cole Carter and the Trustbusters. You know, yes. and I mean, Rampage has fallen off a cliff this year in terms yes. of like its priority in the world. But roster size reduces roster focus. And I, I mean, I wanted to see Jack Perry ride the wave of momentum that he had after what was, I, I thought, a, a pretty excellent cage match at Full Gear with Luchasaurus. And since Full Gear, there's been more focus on QT Marshall's issue with Orange Cassidy and the baddies breaking up than there has been on anything to do with, with Jack Perry. And I don't give a fuck about the other people because... You're trying to sell me on something new all the time when I'm wanting to buy more of what you were just trying to sell me and succeeded in trying to sell on me. Yes, yes, that's the stop. Like, to me, you know, it's so funny. Okay, let's see if you can get this question right. (laughs) All right. When I, if, if I were to ask you, what is exhibit A, well, like name a show, a pay per view that is exhibit A of a promotion failing to put over new stars when it should. What would your answer be to that? Fully loaded 2000. Yeah, that's absolutely the fucking right answer. I knew you'd get it. (laughs) Okay. All right. And I feel like you and I, you know, we've known each other for a while. That's been like a very instructive Mm -hmm. moment in history because it it kind of defined how we watched WWE for the next couple of years, right? Like they don't fucking put new people over, man, ever. And it's funny because I think the last time you were on the program, you and I both joked that if we were able to talk to ourselves from 20 years ago, we would argue a little bit now. Mm, because it feels like we've almost, we almost gotten too much of what we wanted. It's gone too far in the other direction. And I'm bringing this up because WWE does do this. And while it makes for very boring weekly television that you can absolutely sit out – they feed their stars better than AEW feeds their stars. And let's get back to this point. And Tony, to me, I go back to how strong that roster looked a year ago with with the new people coming in. And I'm like, my God, dude, if he just feeds these 12, I mean, you are going to have some stars and make, and he doesn't feed them. It's like you have to. So I know some people don't like him, but Rover had, uh, that's at whatever the fuck it is. It's real. People follow him, I'm sure, on Twitter. And if you don't know who the hell it is, oh, well. But he had this tweet the other day, you know, talking about Vern Gagne's AWA. 
Okay, and I don't necessarily know how, how if we should be looking to Vern Gagne for you know booking advice in the year 2022 as we go to 20. <laughs> but Vern very much in most territories were like this. They had their eight top people. Okay, then there were eight people underneath, some of whom might cycle up to replace top people when they were getting stale. Others who would just cycle out of the promotion when they were their time had come and make room for new people. But that's how it would run. And to me, I would but like you, the roster bloat makes it because everyone just wants some time. And to me, like I just think if Tony would concentrate on like tw- again, I'm just throwing out a random number, 12 people on the show that would regularly appear. They don't have to appear every week. Your job as the booker is to realize, eh, okay, we can give this person a week off or or the mm-hmm. show off. You know, they're, they're kind of becoming overexposed. I don't have a good idea for them right now. But I feel we don't, you know, you brought the excuse Jungle Boy. There needs to be a follow-up after a big win. He yeah. needs to cut a big promo. We need to see what his next direction is. Somebody, We need to see the start of his next program. And what's funny is at the pay per view, which doesn't do that, and it's so like it's what really frustrates me, Tony. That yeah. you're right, he just keeps trying to do new stuff and trying to get everybody over instead of getting eight people really over. The one thing that I will hand to the WWE over the last couple of years is they have booked Roman Reigns like a true top guy. Yep. They. Yep. He, yep, he, yep. Why is Roman Reigns as over as he is? Is it because he's doing like the finest work? That I've ever seen? No. It's because he never fucking loses. It's because they they stress the point that he's so far above the fray. And, that, like, <laughs> but but the, you know what, though? We need to get back because we used to always complain, like, at the end of WCW, they didn't elevate guys. Or in yeah. the 2000, they didn't elevate guys. But, like, I feel like AEW, like, last year, the promotion's, what, three years old? Yep. None of those guys were stale. Feed them, yep. goddammit. And a yep. lot of these people that were brought in... Whether, you know, you know, it's Cole Carter or some of these guys from WWE catering, they were not going to get over as much. I didn't want to see them as much. Yeah. And that's OK. So that that's perfect, because that is a that is another booking foible that has not worked out this year that, that, that Tony's relied on in AEW. You have your babyface stars and he creates heel threats to feed them. And there are too many cases this year, I think, where that meant they had to put focus on people who the audience didn't care about to try and make them into somebody worth beating. Kyle, you know, Kyle O'Reilly going over Jungle Boy and Darby, Darby Allen was criminal in my eyes. Jay Lethal going heel and getting as much TV time as he has because they want to make somebody on the heel Jay side. Jay Lethal is, is, to me, is a guy who should just be jobbing. Like, I do yeah. not understand that. That's the guy that, like, Jim Cornette. I, I know, I know. That's a, yeah. A, like, it's, oh, Jay Lethal's a guy who that needs to be. What? No, he, sorry, Jay Lethal, no money. Jay Lethal's a guy who could have wrestled in any era. Yeah, as a fucking guy to put other people over. Yeah, so is Brad Armstrong. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. The, the firm. You know, Ethan Page's latest push, bland, uncharismatic guys that are put in their position because they're no threat to taking babyface steam away from the stars, but we don't care about them. And this, combined with a talent log jam impacting the TV time of big stars or the potential big stars, it derails that focus because, okay, we want to be seeing what's next with Jungle Boy at full gear, which you haven't seen, <laughs> so I hear. <laughs> yeah. um, when Jungle Boy beats Luchasaurus, they go to the commentary desk and they actually say, you know what? This was such a big win for Jack Perry. 
this was great. Hopefully this puts everything behind him and I can't wait to see what's next. It's going to be so important to see what's next for Jack Perry. Well, if, if you actually listened to that and paid attention, you haven't got your answer and it's like two, three weeks later now. Like, yeah. so, so it's like, why? And that's where it gets frustrating because that's where, and again, it's not necessarily by, des- it's, it's, it's not by design. And that's the thing with WWE, when they would do this, it is by design, which is why it would piss me off. This isn't by design. This is this is the the kind of consequence of having so many people that you're trying to service at the same time that you cannot focus on the people who you actually are trying to tell your audience you need to be paying attention to this person. And of course, on top of these kind of structural problems with the booking you have with so many people, there have been along the way, as you say, a couple of bad decisions. Things like, you know, picking Scorpio Sky to be TNT champion, which stuck in my craw, as you know, yeah. um, earlier this year. And other things as well, that you know, the direction of Punk and Moxley, I didn't think was the right way to go. Um, I doing kind of, punk, I think doing Punk and Adam Page as a main event was was stupid. I yeah, that was all that was only going to end one way, which was with castrating the Hangman, which I think was part of the reason why he was so frustrated. Yes, well, and, and, that, and, it, and it, not only did you castrate Hangman, who was wildly popular before that, you pissed you you wound up that began the beginning of the end of CM Punk. Other than exactly. that, it was a wonderful program. <laughs> But that, it wasn't that, that, even good playing out on television. No, I know, and that was the, it, it, it wasn't like Sean and Brett, you know, slandering each other in horrible fashion on national television. No, no, week. it wasn't. It was just like, yeah, it was like, you know, it was. They didn't like the the, the good burns were like you, you didn't even hear, you didn't even notice them. They were the only ones getting them. You know, yeah. you used to complain, oh, like you know, like Brett and Sean were pulled aside in '97. Vince was like, stop with these inside references. But people were getting them, I think. Whereas, yeah. like, no one knew what was going on with Punk and Page. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of, you know, th- th- there's a lot of these little issues. And again, we haven't even talked about you know, s- you know some of the bigger things that I think began people being a little yeah, that th- those kind of seeds of discontent with television. The ROH purchase and focus on that obviously is a big yeah. one. I think that the build to the New Japan show, which ended up being a success. So when you look at it that way, okay. But, but it would have been that's... a success. I, I don't think the TV may help it be a success. You know, no. Meltzer, Meltzer made this offhanded remark in the new observe in the last Observer that um, he said, "Well, the last two ROH pay per views were successful because they dedicate that they gave it TV hype. They gave it more TV hype than this one." Or so I think. Well, mm. What he said, I disagree. The, the reason those two AEW, sh- the ROH shows were successful, the first two after Tony Ball, was because people wanted to see FTR versus the Briscoes. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I, I think I think you didn't need any AEW TV to make that show as successful as it was. Yeah, I I, I think that that's and that's and, like like the, this past part. I don't think the TV helped that show. They no. threw together a bunch of matches at the end anyway. Yeah, it was all about two matches basically in terms yeah. of actual tv build for that pay-per-view the new japan show was this mishmash of like people that you know the guy I, I i always hate using like personal examples of people i know because it's never actually reflective of, of people at large i find but my brother was talking about people at his work who love AEW. But they're very much kind of they were a couple, very much casual fans. And they were just like they had no fucking idea what was going on during that the, the built of Forbidden Door. And they were like, you know, and in the end they did watch the show and they did really enjoy the show and thought that the new Japan guys were really good and look forward to seeing them next year. But that doesn't stop the fact that it wasn't particularly satisfying television during that period. 
if you're going to grow your product, okay, it, 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 and I've been in the building for several AEW shows, okay, mm-hmm. and it was fun. I was actually, I was at the uh, show where Cody and Sammy had their ladder match, okay, and I remember Cody not getting booed that much, and that was mm-hmm. like during the period where he was really being booed, and I remember thinking, I'm like, you know, this is maybe more of that casual AEW audience who, who, you know, isn't just, you know. They do exist. Yes, they do exist. And if you're going, the key is those, the people, if you're going to grow the product, you're going to, it's going to be casuals. Okay. You're not really going to develop new hardcore fans. Okay. The hardcore fans are obviously there, but like those people, like the more casual they get, the more they just want to see their favorites every week. Yeah. They don't want to, they don't want to see Ethan Page get two wins. So he has credibility to take a loss in four weeks. They want to fucking hear the acclaimed rapping. And that's and and, and, that, and that's okay. the problem with AEW. Yes. It's like, like that's what Rampage and to a lesser and really dark and dark elevation were for it at first. They were to build credibility. They would show the the video package before the the match happened on Dynamite initially. But those are the shows where you build credit. Like the casual audience, if a, there's no point to building up a guy who's just going to lose a match anyway, really, <laughs> especially if the audience doesn't really like him. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you never know when something's going to click, which is, mm-hmm. which is part of this too. Like, you never know when you're going to stumble upon the next great heel. But if the design is to, to never get them there anyway, then that's, but, yeah, <laughs> but don't waste TV time building them up and, and yeah. telling the people, oh, this guy's a real threat. Two weeks later, he loses like everyone expected. And then three weeks later, nobody, you don't hear from him anymore. Yeah. And, and, and there's, there's a lot of, of these little, again, the, yeah, the stop start issues have hurt a great deal now that being said i'm not completely doom and gloom on this year the way that you i know that you've said you know that this company broke your heart but i still do see the potential for the company and so uh i guess this is a good time to kind of segue to the next part right yeah yeah your next issue yeah i'm just gonna throw this to you please sell me on aew moving forward into 2023 and is there an idea that you have for a program that can heat this territory back up? Because I'll be honest with you, this whole like MJF return, I've 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 watched it has not clicked with me really. It, no. it, it, I feel that if you're gonna do that thing they did with Tony Khan where he came out after and called him a mark and quit and was gone. Since he's been back, he hasn't been demonstrably different. He's doing the same things. I think the whole Oh, I might leave for WWE. I think that's fucking Bush League. People are enough of that shit. I'm so sick of that shit. Yes. Like, I I don't want to hear that anymore on this show. And, it's and he, it's he not should, heat. He should be above having to come out and just insulting the local crowd, too. The thing with MJ, I feel sympathy for him okay. <laughs> to a degree in that his comeback started off the night of his yes. return yes looking so good like it was going in such the right direction punk's got the belt max is back and he's gonna get to do his thing and we're gonna get a great storyline it's the great next evolution where he basically did a cm punk to in order in order to get to the point where he's gonna wrestle cm punk for the belt it's it was it was ready made they were gonna cast him the way they were gonna cast him who knows where that would have gone but at least it would have been organic Mm-hmm. Punk, punk goes and immediately they're stuck in this okay now what the fuck are they going to do are they going to make him the baby face or not and the whole thing with the firm 
which they started at All Out, um, that just kind of has become absolutely nothing because yeah. you had to. It's like, what a waste of time. But again, he wasn't supposed to be. They were going to be mm-hmm. his group and Punk was going to work with them. And that would have been just Punk going through people to get to Max. We would have seen what that view would have become. He would have probably won the belt at Full Gear, beating Punk as a huge credibility boost for him um, and making him look even more like a star. Mm-hmm. And then he would have moved on to whatever he's going to move on to. Maybe the people continued, who knows? But the fact that like all of this, all these things again have just fucking happened during this time when the focus was supposed to be on him, combined with the fact that I think that in many ways, the way of he's just kind of dealt with all the turmoil is just stick to old faithful. Um, because it's it's like there's there's so much fucking going on right now that I think that if to, to be honest, if I was him, I could absolutely understand why. You know because... what? Though, you know why I actually don't feel sympathy for MJF to a degree that? is the angle he did with Tony Khan after Double or Nothing sort of torpedoed Wardlow's babyface push. Oh yeah, well that's yeah, that, yeah, that's that's another. So they did it violent. twice. I mean, after after two pay per views, they torpedoed the big like breakout thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was their own, I mean, well, it wasn't their own doing after all out. Although, having said that, as much as people think it torpedoed Wardlow, and to a degree it did, it's not like, people, when Wardlow won that match, it was fucking huge, and people still went crazy. And again, talking about those people who were just watching on TV and didn't know, that made Wardlow look great. The problem was the follow-up. Wardlow didn't yes. do anything in the follow-up. Well, like, I mean, he won the first TNT all, title. And then, been, you know what? A character like him shouldn't be the TNT champion, though. Probably not. You, you know what pissed me? Like the again, you know, I, I sometimes, you know, as, as the year has gone on, I, I I found myself disagreeing with Meltzer more. But one thing that he, an idea he had at the beginning of the year that I like, as soon as he said it, I said, "Oh, why didn't I think of that?" Mm. Brian Danielson should have been like the TNT champion since like oh, yeah. January. He's the perfect guy for how Tony Khan books, where he could be the he just would have he would have ace title defenses, you know, every other week or whatever against whom the fuck ever. The matches would always be good. There would be a credibility there because he was there. Like, a, a character like Wardlow shouldn't really be the TNT champion. Yeah, in the same way that Goldberg win the US title didn't really mean dick. Like, he just didn't but, but, but with the belt. They, they were smart enough that that was, like, that was kind of short, and it was, it was basically a springboard, although, who knows if they had it planned. When he won the U.S. title, if he was, if they knew he was going to be the world oh, champion, of course they didn't. So, yeah, <laughs> but like it, you know, it was such a short. He was so short as the. You're right. If he had been like a long term U.S. champion, I don't know what that looks like. It's pro- it probably would have been weird. But it, it was just a springboard for him to win the world title. Whereas Wardlow, you know, what was that for him? Oh it, yeah, it, like it wasn't a springboard for nothing, and it well, wasn't a memorable reign. Well, that was it. For, for the Goldberg win basically was like this launch pad for him in the sense that okay, we've seen him destroy these scrubs and these kind of undercar guys and now he's doing it to the people who are being pushed and that's where it gets more intriguing and it kind of again galvanizes him whereas wardlow's thing was killing mjf he that that was his big moment see, being scorpio sky is not the milestone that beating mjf is so no, you're right. you feel yeah like winning the tnt title it just sort of felt like well we've got to do this because he it was because how are we going to follow the win over mjf and that was tony's answer and i don't think that was the right call no, um, and, and it was very much a thing of, okay, so he wins the belt, then, okay, so what's next? Nothing? He's just going to be kind of on the sidelines for a while doing, well, like everybody else? Okay. Yeah. But but back to my original question. Yes. A so, program to heat this territory back up going into 2023. Because it's tough. What, what, it's, they're, what they're selling, I mean, 
part of the reason I didn't watch Full Gear is none of it seemed very interesting. Mm. Yeah. A lot of the times, I think the hot, you know, the hot, the, the traditional, you know, hot angles are the ones you either don't anticipate and kind of suddenly appear. Like, you know, Hall and Nash cast as outsiders and Hogan's heel turn are so different to what WCW was like months before. Like, yes. in, 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 in you know, the whole 95, 96 period before they showed up, it's a different promotion. I remember when, you know, when Vince does his first heel promo with Kevin Kelly saying, you know, how would Steve Austin wrestle at WrestleMania with a broken jaw? <laughs> like, just leaving me on the floor because I did not anticipate Vince McMahon as a heel wrestling character. Now, MGF and Starks last week felt like a good little bit of magic, right time, right place. And I think it only takes a few weeks in a row of something like that to get things back on track and get things ticking. MGF and Eddie Kingston feels like a storyline match made in heaven in terms yes. of two completely different guys who can talk their ass off and can do some awesome angles. Um you know, Punk versus the Elite is the easy thing to say, but it's unlikely. Um, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, that, I mean, because the and, and the problem now is I don't think like, do you know what's so weird about Brett and Sean is like they obviously hated each other so much. <laughs> but in a way, you could kind of trust them not to like do anything like really stupid. Mm. I get like, whereas I don't know if you I, I don't like because you're right, like doing like. Punk and FTR in one corner against the elite, I think would be the most intrude. Like it would be something that you'd be like, Oh fuck. Like there's real heat and there would be, it, it would feel like edgier seat television, but I don't know if I could trust them to work together would, and I not would, do something really fucking st- like one of the six of them to do something really fucking stupid. Yeah. And, and to be honest, it would be punk. If you're Tony Khan, how on earth can you ever give CM Punk a microphone in any environment ever again? Yes. Especially with when he's working with Kenny Omega and the young books where something isn't going to happen. That's going to end up with it exploding in everybody's face. And if it does explode in everybody's face, how much of a moron does Tony Khan look like then? Because yes. he, it was obvious what would have happened. And then it happened anyway. It, so it, it's just so frustrating to me. Yeah. That those, guys, those guys don't seem well. I mean, because now we've got the guaranteed deals, honestly. But like it, back in the day, you know, somebody would tell these guys, why don't you guys just fucking grow up and make some money? Yeah. Together, and, and to I an, guess now because the deal, they don't really like. Maybe it's not that way, but like that's how I feel when I like when I talk about kind of being disgusted with this promotion. I don't take sides in the elite punk situation. I just look at it like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Yeah, but yeah, that's a fucking why. great. You could have taken some of this energy, okay, worked it out professionally, but um brought a little of it on screen. And if you're quality performers, you can make people believe the hatred. And there's, there was obviously some real hatred there anyway, and fucking make a great wrestling feud on screen about, but they just, they chose to do what they did, and I, I think they're all a bunch of fucking idiots, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, again, uh, we, you know, we use Brett and Sean as the comparison, but again, think of that. That, that was a, a feud that did not really, in the end, wasn't what it could have been as a money draw, because they, they didn't work at WrestleMania 13 the way this Well, you know what, though? They didn't work it at actually, King of the Ring. You know what, though? Actually, though, it wound up doing it. It wound up doing their biggest number at Survivor it Series. At Survivor Series, did the biggest buyer of the year. But again, as, as Sean once said, can you imagine what we would have been capable of if I had my head remotely screwed on? straight yeah yeah that's true that, that that's i don't know i you know it, it's i just think it, it's just so disheartening it is i think when you look at a say this so you, basically all right back to this question what what would you obviously you're riding mjf right 
for a while. You have to. It's, it's, where, it's where you are. And I think here's, here's my question to you, I suppose, in, in response, because I can't come at you. You don't know what the program is going to be that's going to click, but it feels like now, especially because of the situation, like we said, where Punk is gone, I feel like now is the time. And, and again, judging from the reaction to Ricky Starks uh, last week, I feel like now is the time to kind of shift focus towards some of those guys that have been the up and comers for a long time and actually making them the centerpiece and, and letting things, you know, percolate with those in the mix, the, 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 the Jack Perry's, the Ricky Starks, the Darby Allens. All right. I don't have a specific program, which is why I asked you because I don't, I can't come up with mm. one. Like a lot of times it's like, I try to come up with big pit. Like is somebody out there like that's not currently on the rot that you could bring in. Mm-hmm. To, to to drum up interest and I don't like the problem is like to a lot of these guys have been damaged over the year like you know I, I think they're doing MJF and Danielson right they're gonna build yeah. that Danielson my god and part of it is he's just too selfless what is this guy doing all these jobs that he's done nah, over the course nah. the, like what is like I do though think that if I was Tony Khan my number one priority would be I've got to pick those eight to twelve people and you know what if some people aren't fucking happy here, then fucking you're fuck then, off. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just I'll that I'll, I'll, I'll pay you to sit out, or I'll um you know I'll, I'll just release you and you can go back crawling to Hunter. But you're gonna do a bunch of jobs on the way out, and you know, yeah. and you're gonna run the risk that Vince McMahon's gonna show back up and fire your ass again, and I'm not gonna watch you this time. <laughs> so I mean, that's I just think that it needs to be my message to Tony Khan again. Ideas are great, stars are better. Pick your eight and just feed, feed, feed them. I want to see like 10, even up the number, over 12, okay? 10 to 15 acts pushed. Like they are are superior to everybody else. And guess what? I'm sorry. There's just a lot of other people. You're not going to get, at some point, if you don't get over in either promotion, I'm looking at you, Andrade, you're just not that good. You're not worth... There is far too much attention. I've complained about this before on the podcast, probably to you and the DMs as well. I know I've talked about it with with, with Ryan and Justin, probably to Chad too. There's far too much attention this business paid to the plight of like the number eight baby face in a promotion. Oh, I love that. You know, like, oh, what's what about this guy? It's like, well, he's not going to be a difference maker. Who cares? You know, like yeah. Ruby Soho, I saw she put on Instagram, like destination unknown. Like, I guess she's unhappy at the is Ruby Soho a, a a top five person in the AEW women's division? Not to me. If she went back to WWE, would she be top five there? Nope. Then why the <laughs> fuck would you spend one fucking minute of your life, if you're the booker, being concerned about her? Like, to me, if people are upset, just fucking job them out. Yeah. Yeah, pr- and, prove that you're worth who, it. Or if you who, don't. Wants, who wants to be here? Who can I reliably build around and fucking build the promotion around these people and make them household names that people know and are synonymous with the brand. Yeah, and that is why, again, to kind of get back to the fact that I am not completely doom and gloom about AEW, even though that is the, you know, obviously the nature of this conversation is pointing out the flaws. I was have been enthused for the last month at the fact that the one that you mentioned, the acclaimed, is the example of like, yes, this is what you should fucking do. You have a, a team that got over organically. People want them to succeed. You put them in a position to succeed, and they did at Grand Slam. You give them the belts. 
you they've put them on television frequently they've had them in main events a couple of times they've had they put them over ftr clean they they are they are actually putting focus and energy on making them recurring people who are being fed and they are stars yeah, and it, when you hear the reaction when, they, when a little siren goes off now mm-hmm. it, it fills me with joy it's like yes this is what you do when you actually this is what happens when you put that focus on people and granted you can't do that with everybody at the same time no, but, but do you know what makes the acclaimed so easy like if i like if i was a, a booker if i was a booker the acclaimed is is like a dream to me mm-hmm. because they are so easy to use yeah ready for tv weekly tv national tv act the match itself it doesn't really people want to hear what max caster says they want to yeah. hear his jokes so they will like as long as they get a good rap you have fucking 800 tag teams in this promotion okay mm-hmm. just have max caster come out say something funny, beat the shit out of some fucking team, and then they go back, and, and everyone has a good time, they go back to the curtain, and it was a nice segment. Yeah. It's not yeah. hard. I, I would, <laughs> like, the claim would be on TV almost every week just doing that. And people would not get, as long as the raps were fresh, people would not be sick of it. If he was, like, you know, ripping on WWE or just ripping on whatever, something in the new, you know, that's all people want, so. Uh. Okay, Kyle, I'll pose the question to you since you threw the fully loaded at me. Good example of a tag team who... It's the New Age Outlaws. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the, the acclaimed, as soon as they started rising, it immediately reminded me of yes. New Age Outlaws. Yes. It's an act. And people think... And, and the problem is there are some dumb fucking wrestling fans who think they're smart in 2022. Yeah. You know, um, the acclaimed are an act that peop- the match can be set. I mean, it shouldn't always be that way. Because it's still the name the name on the marquee is wrestling, but the match can be secondary most often with them. People want it's the rap that people want and the the chance to say the acclaimed has arrived. Yeah, and the outlaws rode that to like a year and a half of unprecedented success just doing the sing along. And people like act now like that's oh their matches sucked like that fucking meant that like they gave a shit about that they're fucking the road dog was probably doing he think when the road dog was freaking hoovering lines of coke backstage he gave a shit that his matches were no good motherfucker <laughs> stopped trying in the middle of ninety eight fucking sucks now as a booker but that's a oh, yeah. podcast um, and and it's a bonus it's a bonus and a nice bonus that Bowens is really good caster's got you know he's, he's got potential and he's obviously always uh, you know he does his part as well and great what well, a great combination a great act they are stars and it's because of the way they've been used they're doing the same thing they were doing before except now they're being put in the position to be featured stars on the show and it works and that's where you know that the, the upside of AEW's future is that it can be done. It shall be done. It's time to just do it. To me, that's the key. Again, we're using the acclaim because it's it's obvious and everyone's gonna agree. Coming out, a quality rap, crowd behind you, winning your match—that is called a star-making segment. Now, if it keeps just happening and it it gets repetitive, okay, it's not as star-making as it used to be. But we need more segments like that where. Mm-hmm on AEW and wrestling in general, where it's not about protecting the fucking loser. Okay. Cause we've yeah. got him signed under a contract for two more years. It's segments need to be designed to, at the end of the day, it's like, does someone 
feel like a bigger star than they did 15 minutes ago. Yeah. That should be the point of a television segment. So, all right, speaking of stars, speaking of, I don't know what the fuck speaking of, but speaking of stars, let's talk about WWE. Let's go back. We're going to close with this. Um, Has anything new happened with this Vince McMahon situation? We've been on the air for a while here. Um, I don't know if anything new has happened with Vince. Have you looked at Twitter, by the way? I I have not. I'm not on Twitter anymore, so I have not not gazed upon it. Let me take a look here. No one's suggesting we will get a call for a more reflective Vince McMahon is disappointing. <laughs> um, all right. That was, let me take a look to see if there's anything here. Talking. <laughs> so, Robert's Vince building his own announce desk on WWE programming, <laughs> and it's a picture of Jim Ross and Doctor Death. Oh, phenomenal! Oh, yeah. All right, some people are just thinking. <laughs> it, it, there's nothing. Uh, oh man, there's nothing new. Okay, all right. So, okay, there's two things I want to get to here um, to close out the show. Uh, what do you want to tackle first? The giant what if, if Vince came back, actually what that would potentially look like? Or do you want to talk about this roadmap to WrestleMania? I think we'll go roadmap to Mania and we'll close on Vince's nice bookend from earlier on. Okay, cool. All right, the roadmap to WrestleMania here as we double back to WWE. You're going to call me crazy and I'm going to qualify this big time in a moment. But I actually think it's the most intriguing it's been in years. Not because I think it's going to be good. In a creative sense, I think they'll do the bare bones to get even if like the best case scenario happens. But there's a lot of interesting moving pieces here to look at. You have the ultimate dangling carrot of Dwayne Johnson, you know, as the rock, the return of Cody, which is going to happen. And then KO and Sammy, this storyline, which and it's funny, I want I wanted to bring this in compared to Brian and Kofi. Like you talked about how you were sort of underwhelmed by what everyone around you was calling this great storyline. I kind of feel that way with KO and Sammy. Ah. Like, 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 I watched this thing at War Games, like, and I knew what was going to happen. People said, well, you knew what was going to happen. Well, the magic of wrestling is, is when you, like, I've talked about this, when I was a kid, I would watch all these pay-per-views months after the fact. I know who fuck, I would know who fucking won. Yeah, yeah. But it would, but there was still a magic to it. I was like, God, that was fucking good. Mm. And that thought, like, I feel a lot of wrestling now, when you know what's going to happen, it just exposes what actually happened as not being that good. <laughs> like, the only thing is, like, oh, gee, I wonder what the booking's going to be. Like, that's, like, the only drama, whereas, like, and the booking doesn't hold up when you go back and revisit it. But, like, this KO and Sammy deal, like, I didn't buy for a second that Sammy was going to leave the ball. And no. I don't think they've, like, weren't they, like, actually feuding the last time they were on screen together? Yeah. Like they, it wasn't like they were like people just like it's so funny with WWE. People just understand and know their friends in real life, which yeah. just sort of exposes all their previous feuds is completely phony. Yeah, um, that's it. It's that's yeah, why and, it looks like. Well, it and it's matter. like and they and they know at some point there's going to be a reunion, and it's just like, well, when's the reunion going to happen? It doesn't matter if it's well written or well done. Yeah, and I don't expect it to be well done. I don't even expect if The Rock were to return to be that to be well done because the, the average WWE fans, oh, The Rock, we got what we want. It's been teased and talked about on social media for 
God knows how long. Three years. It's just the fact that he's back is good. Will just disqualify any the need for any and all creative. Yeah, and and isn't that the company in a nutshell? Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. But that now that all being said, do you agree with me that in in terms of the moving pieces, that this might be the most intriguing uh, roadmap to WrestleMania to sort of sit back from afar? And monitor because if they play their cards right, they're gonna have they're gonna have their audience with them. I think pretty good potentially. Yeah, that's where it doesn't intrigue me, uh, square shit. But I will say, and I don't, and I still don't believe the Rock's coming back. (laughs) Okay, you okay? I I, I still don't. I never have, and I won't. If they don't, man, that's bad. I think. I, I think. I mean, man, I don't know. I think it's gonna be such. I think at this point, it's gonna be a letdown. People have been. Able to say, oh, okay, whatever. But, like, dude, there's only so many, like, inferior main events you can take. <laughs> yeah, not for this audience. That, that I guess not. But, I mean, but I'm saying it's a trick because you look back at the previous WrestleManias, like, what they've had. Like, Roman and Brock last year, part whatever. Then that, like, awful Roman Edge, Daniel Bryan. I know some people liked that match, but that, that build and feud was trash. Yeah, it's garbage. Um, the previous year, like it was like Drew McIntyre and Brock. I mean, I liked the Rumble that Drew won, but I mean, what's your favorite moment of the Drew McIntyre Brock Lesnar feud? <laughs> yeah, like it. it the, I think my point is none of those matches feel transcendent. If they were to get the Rock back and the like, and then in the interim in the build, they were having this KO Sammy dynamic going on that leads to them reuniting, beating the Usos at Mania. Then you do something with Cody. I, I, I think you, you've, there's a chance for the pieces to fall in their right place for WWE in 2023, in my opinion. Yeah, the, the, it's it's there for the taking in the sense that it's this audience is very easy to accommodate, I think, at this point. <laughs> and I think that if you do even the most bare bones of beats. I don't expect it to be a Triple H Batista build. Bear with me. Uh, this, this... From 2005. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you know, not the second one. Although one of the best promos to air on WWE TV in the last five years was when Batista came out dressed dapper, pointed to the video screen. They showed a video of Batista constantly beating Triple H. Then they flash back to Batista in the ring. He took his sunglasses off, looked at the camera, and said, Hunter, you can kiss my ass. (laughs) That is a top five promo of the WWE in the last five years. Oh, it's phenomenal work. But the the first build is what I was talking about, where they they do the drip feed of of teasers for months before finally it blows up. It it won't be of that quality. But... The KO Sammy thing of the inevitable thing where Sammy accidentally fucks things up one time too many, gets beaten down by the Usos. They do the, the teasers with Kevin Owens for the next few months, and then KO finally saves him. They they reunite to, to fight the Usos at WrestleMania and take the belts. On paper, regardless of how good or bad the execution is, it, even if they just do the most bare-bones mediocre execution, it will work audience. for that audience, precisely. Cody, to me, is a more interesting one to follow because I want to see if they can reverse the WWE pattern of not being able to build a true babyface. Okay, and I'm glad that that's where you threw it back to me because I have a question Because for you. <sighs> Number one, I'm not convinced Cody is going to beat Roman Reigns at any point, WrestleMania or otherwise, in the future. 
not sure he should necessarily. Mm. This promotion is... It makes for some of the most goddamn boring television you've ever seen. (laughs) But this Roman Reigns, what they have... He is their best champion they've had in at least 15 years in terms of what a champion should be. I'm not talking about creative output because really creatively, there's very little to it. He's just a guy who walks out, carries himself like a star and wins all the time. Yeah. But, you know, that's, you know, more than 50 percent of the battle, quite frankly, as we're seeing, especially in the modern WWE. I just think it's like. What, what helps WWE is when you're no one questions anymore who should be at the top, really. Yeah. Yeah. There's a question of is this boring? And believe it or not, if you go back and read the newsletters in the 80s, there was some of that with Hogan when Hogan was the champion. Yeah. Forever. You know, people be like, oh, how long can they keep doing this with Hogan? And, you know, they, they wrote it for, you know, four plus years before they they had to concoct a storyline to beat him. And I'm not suggesting that Reigns should hold it for another two years or whatever, but I think, and I've been guilty of this, you do need to be careful about, oh, who's going to beat Roman? Who's going to beat Roman? And, and making that the most important thing, because here's my question. What if what happens when you do beat him? Like, yeah. what is Cody Rhodes going to do as the champion? Who is the ready-made opponent for Cody Rhodes that isn't Roman Reigns? Yeah, I think that is a that is where there is a major problem, and it's actually why I think the dream scenario for WWE is okay. KO and Sammy, Rock that carries the very early part of the year, or KO Sammy and Roman. You do if you get Roman and Rock, if you could get that, you that has to. Be, I don't care what anyone says. If if the Rock is willing to do the match, you, that's the fucking Mania main event. It's the fucking Rock. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the. the and it will get the most mainstream attention possible. It does not matter if the match is not going to be good. It does not matter if the creative is going to be as bare bones as possible. You fucking do that match. And you have Roman Reigns beat The Rock. Mm-hmm. Okay. You then have Cody come back and get a big win at Mania. And then you've got actually a program to do in the post in the often dire post-Mania months. <laughs> right? That, to me, is why I'm, like, looking at the WWE, like, fuck, if they actually play their cards right, they could actually, this promotion could actually have decent top-of-the-card stuff for, like, the next six months. Yeah, wouldn't that be novel? Uh, Whether they do that, uh, because I don't believe Rock's going to be there, so I think that Cody's going to be the answer, because the best thing that, as I've said to you before, the best thing that happened to Cody was the injury and the timing of the injury, so he didn't become part of the furniture, didn't lose steam, um didn't get a chance to get any resentment against him. Um, and How excited come... do you think the crowd's going to be when he comes back? Oh, they'll be fired up for at first because they always are. It's the, oh okay. my God, we haven't seen you in a while. They'll, they'll love him. They'll go crazy. I think that the first time he confronts Roman, there will be a great buzz in the air about how he's the guy and he's going to do it for Dusty and all that. But mm-hmm. they've got to be careful because I think that Roman's so strong that if Cody goes for that pandering babyface shtick too much it could lead to a natural resistance. And so, people are cheering Roman. And people are cheering Roman already anyway, because he's the star. So it's the, 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 it's really about can they, if they're going to do it, where they're going to have Cody beat Roman, if they choose to do that, they have to approach the story going in as the entire point of this is to make Cody look like he's on Roman's level. And that he's going to be his equal. And that those two guys are going to be the two top guys for years to come. 
or yes, at that, least that, of the, the immediate right, future. No matter what, you know, the, the Drew McIntyre thing, you know, had the benefit of, you know, being in the UK and a unique audience and whatnot. But no one really buys Drew McIntyre as being on Roman Reigns' level. And I do think it is important yeah. for them to get because the only person people buy on Roman's level is Brock Lesnar, and that match has been done to death. Yeah. So it is very critical moving forward to not just get one person, but well, here, here's another. What about multiple people? <laughs> and, and again, that's feeding people. And, and the, the problem is they just don't have a lot of viable options. That really. is that's that's the key, and that's why I think like okay, so if Cody does, why, yeah, Go if ahead. Cody loses, then what? Well, what yeah, then? well, well, well that, but that's the problem with doing the match. Like, if you do that match, to me, it's it's what then either way. Mm, yeah, exactly. Because I don't know what like you have no like the thing with Roman is you can get away with doing boring fucking type. I don't know how they do it, but they've gotten away with it for two years. The vast majority of Roman Reigns title reigns have been just boring ass matches with yeah. flat finishes where you like you would have to be a fucking moron to think he's going to lose there the <laughs> other than like there there I think there've been two Lesnar matches where I was like oh wow maybe they're going to have WrestleMania I thought he had a chance to lose yeah I thought this last WrestleMania I thought yeah. for for and, circumstances and I, I, outside the ring he might be losing yeah and then SummerSlam just because they called Brock back into duty mm. I maybe thought, maybe I thought there was a chance or no, no, maybe it was, I don't know when the, but, but the bottom line is there's been like two times in two yeah. years, two plus years where I thought this guy was going to lose, but because he's such a big star and he's recognized as the guy in the promotion, people are cool with it. I mean, in retrospect, did you think fucking Hulk Hogan was going to lose to Nikolai Volkov? Sorry, <laughs> no, I didn't No, but it, it worked. And that's the thing with Co like if, Cody wins, but people still see Roman as the star of the promotion, and Cody doesn't have anyone good to work with. I think that's going to be an issue um, to monitor in 2023 because they just—I mean, I don't know who the hell they have. Yeah, that hasn't been yeah. around for six years. These guys, Triple H, are bringing back. They're no good. Cody Rhodes versus Karrion Cross tickle you fancy at all? Jesus Christ, that sounds bad. But don't even get me started on this Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt's going to be in the mix. Yeah. Uh, one thing that does intrigue me, actually, I don't know if you saw this report. It came out in the last 24 hours that, that it's being reported that internally Brock Lesnar versus Gunther is is <laughs> on is on WrestleMania. Uh, the the lineup. Yeah, I I, I saw that'd be a, that'd be a nice win for Brock. Oh, you, you think they're just gonna feed Gunther to him? Yep. Well, that's fucking shitty. <laughs> Sorry, I think that's I thought, here it was with me. I was like, oh, fuck, they're really good. Hunter really likes Gunther. Well, I'll tell you who wouldn't have uh, go good old Gunther beat Brock Lesnar. Vince McMahon. Yeah, Vince McMahon <laughs> would. Um, could you imagine if he comes back and just, like, gets rid of all these people that, like, like, and there's just, like, this island of misfit toys in wrestling that, like, no, you know, guys that, like, thought they were going to go walk back to, you know, the warm arms of Hunter Hearst Helmsley. <laughs> And like, and now like they're just not wanted by either company anymore. What an unbelievable situation that would be. Yeah, that that'd be pretty special. I think that, that the uh, I yeah I I like the idea of Vince. We were talking about like you know the 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 creative ideas. Vince and, and, and what also what Vince is actually doing during this period. I like to think that remember that idea that where Vince was going to like come back with a hobo army. 
Remember that? Oh yes, yes. <laughs> he's forming it now while he's while he's on the uh, in in the in the job center. Well, like. somebody had this funny. Yeah, I don't know what movie it's from because I don't I don't watch a lot of these movies. But there was like a movie. It's like Vince seeing the current talent budget. It was just this, it looked like a Bond movie. Or something. Oh like yeah, just shooting all these people. Yeah, yeah Vince as John Wick or something. Yeah. So oh yeah, yeah. I I I think that uh, that's if he comes back and torpedoes it, it will be and and that would be the time for Tony Khan to fire Andrade too. Oh yeah, because you would have. To be honest, you have. You want your release? Power. Off you go. Yeah. Off yeah, you because go. yeah, yeah. The, the, it would be. <laughs> imagine if at the end of the day, Regal winds up staying at AEW. Yeah. Um, oh, insane. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think that uh, that might have been it. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, you all enjoyed it. I believe this was a record-setting edition, as we have crossed the two-hour mark. Usually, we do ninety oh, minutes. This was going so well, I wasn't going to stop. But I saw what I was at an hour and 20, and I saw what we had left. I was like, fuck it, I'm not speeding through this. Um, it's Tuesday. Tuesday's my slow day anyway in the afternoon. So uh, it was a pleasure, Mr. O'Rourke, as it always is, to talk the world of pro wrestling with you. Oh, man. This, I, I had high expectations going in. This was this was even more fun than I thought. Kyle, that was great. Thank you very yeah. much, man. I, uh, I hope people enjoy it. I think planned uh, hopefully this doesn't catch him by surprise because i'd mentioned to him is i think the next idea of top rope nation extra uh over on the facebook page right now rick skelton is running through his favorite moments year by year favorite episodes uh, of uh raw and i think um next month on extra we are going to talk about the 30-year history of monday night raw oh. and then i also uh, by the way i do plan okay now part of the the reason that it was so easy for me to avoid AEW was uh, it's football season right now. And, you know, with daily sports going on, it's very hard for me to have focus on anything besides uh, my job. And, uh, but I, I do plan on catching up on the AEW product. All that I miss, I'll probably pay for full gear. Even after the fact, I'm a, I'm an honest man and (laughs) and I'll watch it. I plan on doing an audit of the AEW kind of, cause I want to be more specific. I want to be fair. I want to go through the product and talk about where it should go. So my goal is in the early part of 2023 to catch up and, and be, this is after all a weekly podcast here on top rope nation. So that would probably help if I catch up. So I'm going to be binging AEW. I'll be doing an audit early in the year. That's another idea I have. I'm going to, I think I know who I'm going to bring on for that. And, um, yeah. So, uh, what a way to go out in 2022 here though, Liam, you and I, uh, is there any final message that you would like to share with the people? No, other than like, yeah, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, everybody. Have a good time and uh, take it easy. Don't drink, uh, don't drink uh, you know, too much and just you know, behave yourselves. And no, other than that, you know, what, what a blast. Uh, what a crazy year in wrestling. And, and, uh, and again, it's been a pleasure doing these shows with you and, of course, SCG uh, this whole year. So thank yes, you very and much. You Kyle. and I, of course, we will be finishing off 1992, probably in the early part of next year. And then, mm-hmm. um, Hopefully we can kind of get on more of a schedule where we're like hitting things 30 years after the fact. I do eventually want to get to that point where it feels timely, where we can like, I don't know, match it up with all those on this day accounts and stuff. Yeah. And we'll get to 93. But uh, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff going on here. Um, Justin Joint and I, I believe, are going to do a podcast talking about the losing nominations um, for Top Rope Nation Classics. There are four of them. But uh, he and I were, were chatting about Vengeance 01, and, and we were kind of like, you know, fuck, we should bring this to the airwaves. That's coming near you. I don't know when the next flagship is. I'll be talking about that with the guys uh, coming up soon. But 
Lord knows, I think we gave you a lot to soak in here. Two full hours uh, of talking 2022. Uh, hopefully I'm not as bored at this time uh, in 2023 uh, with wrestling. <laughs> uh, at least the on-screen product, because if it is, that that's a, a dire a, a dire state. So, all right, he was Liam O'Rourke. He still is Liam O'Rourke, as a matter of fact. And I am still <laughs> Kyle Ross, at least I think so. A look back at 2022. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Have a happy holidays, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace.